This is Operation Red Pill, the only podcast hosted by Truthfully Armed, where we take you beyond conspiracy theories to the heart of the conspiracy itself. I'm Jason Spears with my co-host Christopher Dean. Let's crush them. Join us as we go behind enemy lines to reveal the truth about another aspect of this occult matrix as we discuss in this week's Intel Briefing, Snakeheads, Architects of the New Occult Order, Part 3. Are the governments and societies of the world truly plotting their own course through history, or are they following ancient architectural plans laid down by a hidden hand long ago? We're going to talk about that and much more coming up right here on Operation Red Pill Snakeheads. Welcome back to another segment of Snakeheads, where we expose key players in the synagogue of Satan, including both their matrix of control and the deceptive agendas being used to establish the new world order. But before we get into all of that, Christopher D. What is up? Oh, man, I'm doing pretty good, baby. How about yourself? Not bad. Sun's going down. The evening's nice and cool. What is this, Hawk? Oh, <laughs> sun's going, going down. down. <laughs> hey, I almost found myself getting a little sleepy. I was like, Who, who's playing with my hand? Uh, I'm not touching you. Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> but let's talk. All right. What's up? Have you seen Stranger Things? I have. I, I watched it. <laughs> I want to say two or three episodes. And I just, bro, I could not get into it. Not at all? I got three episodes. So I can't say not at all. <laughs> uh, but it, it was a little too slow for me. Okay. Like I thought this was going to be like some MK Ultra type stuff. I was like, ooh, let me get into this, see what they're trying to program us. They're probably trying to lie to us. I need to see what the real narrative is. I was ready to dive into it. Man, these white folks were so daggone slow. I'm like, <laughs> hey, please hurry up with it. The black kid got snatched somewhere in the beginning. I was like, I'm not feeling this show. No, he didn't. Well, hold on. Didn't the black kid get snatched? No, it was the white kid. Wait, who was on the bicycle? Who was on like the little They're bike? They're all on bicycles. It's the 80s. I swear the black kid got snatched. No. Maybe I'm thinking of another show. I ain't like this show neither. Wow, the black kid didn't even get kidnapped. <laughs> Everybody else got taken. He got left out. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's terrible. Switch that real quick. Uh, yeah, that was pretty good. <laughs> One of the things that I found that I liked about it. So it, it was an interesting movie and it does deal with like... Um, like alternate dimensions or whatever. They call it the upside down. Okay. You know, that it's almost like a parallel dimension, but it's a little bit different. Uh, and then they do have the like mind control and the government experience experiments. Okay. So the, that is in there, but you're right. It's very slow. It more, the storyline more centers around just the kids. Okay. And their kind of adventure in discovering all of this. So it's very much a different field than just like government conspiracy. You know, I, I've thought about going back to rewatch it and give it a second chance, mm-hmm. but I honestly don't know if I can make it through. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. If you're not about it, it it's a lot of time to try to get into it. You know what I mean? Yeah, it would have to have a good payoff for me where I, I could I could identify some mind control aspects that were being done through the show. I don't think it's that specific enough. Gotcha. I, I don't think it's worth it for that. Okay. But one of one of the things that I really enjoyed about it is that adventure of the kids. It took me back to like when kids actually had a, a, a subculture, mm-hmm. right? Like the backyard is is a um, <clears throat> a 
a, a whole different land for adventure, right? Yeah. Riding your bike down the, the streets in the back. And we, uh, I grew up in a place called uh, Clark Lakes. Okay. <clears throat> Excuse me. So there was a couple lakes in our housing development. Mm -hmm. And one of them had like a little island in it. We called it the island. Uh, but it was so low key that we could just ride our bikes back through there, right? Right, right. So, you know, I don't know, half a mile maybe, ride your bike down, cross the bridge, and there's an island. And it's so boring that not very many adults would go. Like it's just an itty bitty island in the spring. There was geese that pooped all over the place. Not as an adult, a great fun place, but as a kid, like it was this place that adults rarely go. So it was this whole adventure. Right. And, and you get to kind of relive that in Stranger Things a little bit. Okay, I could appreciate that. Walkie talkies and bicycles and <clears throat> cassette tapes. Fun stuff from the 80s. So is there anything from the 80s that, that you remember and feel nostalgic about? Um, immediately I jumped to cartoons. Okay. Yeah, I mean, if you're going to ask an 80s baby, we talking Thundercats, Silverhawk, He-Man, <laughs> you know, Cops. I don't even know how many people go back to Cops. Cops is a cartoon? It is. It was COPS, Central Organization of Policing. I forget what the S was. Cops, Central Organization of Police Specialists. Fighting crime in a future time. Huh. Yeah, it was this whole big thing, uh, <laughs> whole ca cartoon where the lead guy was actually a black dude. He ran the whole organization. I was like, yeah, I love cops. Coincidentally, <laughs> only ran for a season and they cut it. <laughs> well, there's that. There, there is. But no, a, there, there are certain things from the 80s. Chocolate milk, Nesquik. Okay. That's that Oval team? 80. No. I said chocolate milk, <laughs> Nesquik. Oval team is for other types of folks. Oh. Yeah. It's for the people that can't afford real nest quick. That's why I want my mom to ever bring back oval tea. <laughs> yeah, that looked like it was good for you. Ah, uh -uh. I want the powdery stuff that is not good for you. I liked oval team. Did you did you ever try nest quick? Yeah. Okay. Oval team was your thing. Yeah. Interesting. Oval team. It's like I didn't like you who it felt like a knockoff chocolate it, milk. It was weird, yeah. I, I wasn't really feeling that. Yeah. Uh Dairy Queen. It's like distinct eighties for me. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah, my sister used to work at, uh, both my sisters actually worked uh, at the one that I would eventually work at when I grew up. So I remember riding up there, you ride your bike. Riding my bike, though, is probably a big 80s thing. Okay, I can see that. Because it was like, it was safe to ride your bike. Yeah. You didn't have to ride in the street with traffic. It was like one of the dumbest laws that are out there right now. What, that you can ride in the street with traffic? You have to share, like, bikes have oh, to share yeah, the road share with the cars. Road. Yeah. And I remember growing up as a kid, they actually taught us in school, when you ride your bike, ride on the sidewalk, if you have to go in the street, go against traffic mm -hmm. so that they can see you coming, and as soon as you can, get back on the sidewalk. You know, right. It makes perfect sense. Nowadays, you run over motors, I mean, run over bike bicycles all the time. It's anarchy. Yeah, I don't get it. Rollerblades is another thing for me that's, like, distinct 80s. I, I was never able to do that. I couldn't get them in my size. Well, I believe that. Yeah. yeah like gigantor feet. <laughs> uh, but I remember like the, the skating rink, all of that type of stuff uh, before laser tag came on. Okay. I remember laser tag. Yeah. There, there was that. There was uh fanny packs. I remember that was like a thing in the eighties. My wife still likes fanny packs. That, that's not good. We're it's not in not the eighties anymore. No. Yeah. We, we got to let that go. 
big hair. I remember like a part in your hair. Yeah. That was like very 80s or, or the uh, for black folk. I don't know if white dudes did it too. I wonder if for black guys, you'd have a little patch of hair in the back called a little shag. He used to try to grow it out. And sometimes dudes would actually grow it pretty long and they'd get their hair braided and they'd have like a little ponytail hanging out in the really back of their hair and the rest of their hair would be faded. Hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of I don't remember weird that. 80s stuff. Well, yeah. it's for the black guys. <laughs> you know, a lot of weird 80s stuff that I remember. Video games. Like, I remember when the Nintendo first came out. Okay, yeah. Like, we were we got one. Um, and I remember me and my sister, we, we, got, we had a Nintendo where we had the gun, so we had Duck Hunt, yeah. Mario Brothers. So, the Nintendo Entertainment System, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And then we had the, um, we had, we had Super Mario Brothers, Duck Hunt, and then we had um, the Olympics. And so it had a power mat and you would run on the power mat. And I was okay. like, this is the most fun exercise you could ever get me to do. <laughs> and so the little guy on the screen would run. And if you jumped on the power mat, he'd jump over the hurdle. Okay. And then you run some more. So I remember me and my sister would constantly be racing each other. And then I figured out I didn't have to run. I could just stomp on the mat with my hands and save myself from actually having to run. <laughs> I was like, oh, this is way more effective. And she accused me of cheating just because I was smarter. I don't get it. <laughs> I, I ran into the same thing. Like we never had a power mat, but friends of ours did. Okay. And I was like, why are you even doing that? Like to jump, you can just step off to make sure you're airborne enough. It's like so like, easy. Yeah. But now the number one, uh, well, hold on. It's not the number one. Uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I remember. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Heroes in a hash shell. Turtle power. Like I remember the toys. Mm -hmm. I remember G.I. Joe. I was cleaning out something uh, with my nephew. We actually just found this whole bag of old G.I. Joes that I still had. Really? Yeah, it was funny. I was looking at them going through it, and it had the, uh, had the back of one of the G.I. Joe figures. And so it had some other stuff that you could get. Okay. And I was looking at it, and I was like, oh, one of these dudes comes with a motorcycle. I was like, that, it was Snake Eyes. Okay. And I was like, oh, that would be so cool <laughs> if I had the Snake Eyes motorcycle. I went through the bag, and I found the Snake Eyes motorcycle. I was like, I got it! <laughs> That's like, so great. How, how great is this? Put it back in the bag and just like I felt like it was my own personal stash. I was right. like, never selling it. I'm just holding on to it. I feel I feel way more important now that I have it. Of course. Your and life has meaning now. Absolutely. Meaning and value. <laughs> but here's the number one thing from the 80s All right. that I absolutely remember. You're going to laugh. Okay. I remember Top Gun coming out. Okay. But I remember in the theater when we went to go see it. And we went to see it in one of the older theaters that actually had curtains. Oh, really? Yeah, like I remember sitting there, I was a kid, then lights went down, and literally the curtains went back, and I was like, oh, that's crazy. There's real curtains here. So it was the first time you'd ever been to a theater like that? One of the first, because Top Gun came in, I was like four years old. And you remember it? I do. My earliest memory is me going from one to two. Like, I actually remember that birthday. That's weird. I know, so I, I can remember four. This is why forgiveness is a problem with me. <laughs> I have a fairly decent memory. Yeah, I can see that. I but yeah, I remember that. the original Top Gun. I remember sitting there. I remember the jets flying. I remember some of the trailers. I can hear the music right now. Oh my gosh, it was great. <laughs> I was like, oh yes, this is going to be awesome. At four years old. That four years old, I could feel it. Oh yeah. Oh, I could feel it. It was wonderful. I knew <laughs> this was going to be something with me for the longest. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. Do you remember backward masking at all? Not from the 80s. Okay. I remember it when I got a, when I got older, somewhere in the 90s, I remember things that were, they were talking about, um, they were talking about lyrics 
mm-hmm. that were included in records. And I didn't really understand how records worked. I know my dad had like a, a 40, he had a record player, but he got had a lot of 45s. Okay. And so he put the records on. He was like, don't touch these things. He was that tight you know, oh, okay. with this stuff. Right. So I never really handled records. I just know we put them on and then they scratched and the little thing would wobble a little bit as it played. <laughs> uh, and, and then it, it just, when it played, it was done. So this idea of taking a record and running it backwards, mm-hmm. that's a death sentence in my house. Yeah, I can see that. I don't, so I don't even know how people found this. Right. You, you're not even allowed to think about it. Right. Let alone actually do it. Are you crazy? <laughs> you will be back created. <laughs> just be dead. <laughs> that's funny. But I do remember when it came out and people were talking about, I, I don't remember exactly which rap group, I mean, not rap group, which rock group it was. Mm-hmm. But several, I believe, had gotten accused of embedding uh, lyrics in their records that were only discernible if the record was played backwards. Right. And I was like, that's weird. I remember it was like, ooh, that's satanic. I was like, that's kind of cool. How do you do that? Right. I mean, I didn't know what they were saying. <laughs> I was just seeing cool that you could somehow embed a I'm, lyric. A message or yeah, whatever. Yeah. That you can't hear as it goes forward. Yeah. Or at least perceptively. They say your subconscious still hears it. But you couldn't perce- consciously perceive this message. I thought it was pretty cool. It's interesting. The whole concept, like for me, well, and a bunch of sources just discredit it, you know, cause, cause I remembered a little bit from, from the, from the eighties, early nineties, but then I remember there was a, uh, a comedian, Brad Stein, mm-hmm. you know, he, he was joking around about it and he's like, if, if the devil says anything, when you play it backwards, it's, it's going the wrong way. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought that was kind of funny. And then, uh, realizing how important communication is, I was like, look, People don't understand what I'm saying forwards. They're not going to get it backwards. Nothing backwards is going to going to have any type of impact at all. Have you ever heard a backwards masked message? Um, I don't know if I have. I actually have. Is it weird? It is because and you're like, wait, what? But then if you actually listen, you you can actually hear and make out words. Okay, I've heard that Jay Z is has actually. Uh, taken this practice and applied it to some of his records. Really? Mm-hmm. I can't remember the exact song or the phrase, so I don't want to misquote it on the air. Mm-hmm. But I actually heard it, and I was like, yo, that's crazy. And it's more difficult to play an MP3 or a streamed song backwards. Yeah, than yeah. it is when you have something physical. Right. But it shouldn't seem outside of the realm of plausibility, because even in that same era, mm-hmm. there were mainstream media companies like Disney that were getting hammered for having messages, psychological, you know, sub or what are they, subconscious messages built into their their material. Mm-hmm. And I remember one of them where I, I tested it and I was like, oh snap, it's really there. What was that? That was like the Lion King. When, oh, the sex and the yeah, and when the Simba dust lays or down on that. Yeah, and I actually it was on the VHS. Okay, and I remember playing and pausing it, putting it in slow motion, and actually seeing it, and it spells it out. And I was like, that's crazy. Yeah. And I heard there was one with Jasmine and Aladdin when he jumps off the balcony. He's like, take your goes, clothes off I think or whatever. It's like all good boys and girls have sex or get naked or something like that. But wow. you have to turn it up really, really loud. Uh-huh. Did you do that one and see if that was real? Um, I turned it up, but I don't think I heard that one. And it got too loud. I was like, I'm going to mess something up and my dad's going to be mad. <laughs> so I don't know why I should keep testing this. Yeah. No, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of like subliminal messaging and stuff that came Thank out you, in the that's 80s. The term. So, uh, yeah, the idea of backwards masking doesn't seem implausible to me. Well, it shouldn't, especially because we did snakeheads 
you know, we've been doing snakeheads the last couple of weeks and we talked about Aleister Crowley. And I think this idea, it might've originated before him, but he repopularized it mm-hmm. for, for that generation. It's actually considered the law of reversal. Okay. And he talks about it in his book, Magic in Theory and Practice. So when he's speaking of the practitioner, this is actually what he has to say. He says, train himself to think backwards by external means is set forth here following. A, let him learn to write backwards. B, let him learn to walk backwards. C, let him listen to phonographic records reversed. D, let him practice speaking backwards. And E, let him learn to read backwards. Now, I remember the first time I read this list, uh-huh. I was kind of surprised because somebody had presented it in the context that the the thing about Satanism is trying to do things backwards from the way things are intended as a way of revolting or rebelling against the intended order set up by the creator God. Okay. I'm like, all right, cool. But then I started looking for, okay, if this is true, can I see elements of people who are very prominent, especially in the entertainment industry mm-hmm. that are, are utilizing the law of reversals? And of course, my go-to person, since I'm an avid Michael Jackson fan, is none other than the King of Pop. Oh. And I'm like, well, do you do anything backwards? Huh. The number one thing <laughs> that he's known for is moonwalking. Walking backwards. Exactly. That's crazy. And you don't even do that on the moon. It made me wonder, is there a even even greater association maybe with the moon child idea? Interesting. I mean, why are we calling it moonwalking? I was like, I don't know. I didn't Because that was another book by Crowley, right? Yeah, The Moon Child. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was another Crowley book. And I've got to say this, since we're talking about the 80s, Never Ending Story. Have you seen it? Yeah, I, that was another 80s one, because I remember watching that in Latchkey. Latchkey's another 80s thing. <laughs> Whenever I hear that, that's what I go to. Do you, did you like the movie? I did. Never Ending Story? I did too. Except for Atreyu. You. you didn't like Atreyu? I was jealous of Atreyu, because Atreyu had the hair and everything. <laughs> I was like, oh man, I'll never get that. And then the person was crying for him, and I was like, oh, man, I, I want somebody to care about me like that. <laughs> Stay away from the sadness, Artex. Yeah. But the real, the, the white dog actually kind of freaked me out as I got older. I had a white poodle as a kid. Okay. So I felt emotionally attached to him as a child. Mm-hmm. As a dog, I kept looking at him like, man, that thing looks like Chuck E. Cheese. Like, I want to kill it. Because <laughs> I want to kill the whole Chuck E. Cheese characters. They scared me as a kid. Okay. Yeah, no, I, I got along with those. But since we're talking Moonchild and 80s and Neverending Story, did you know, because I, n- I never heard all the times I watched it as a kid and even as an adult, when, because the whole point is that uh, Bastion has to come up with a new name for the childlike empress, right? Mm-hmm. And he realizes he's part of the book and all that. Spoilers for anyone that hasn't seen this movie from the 80s. But at the very end, he's like, oh, I have the name. I have the name for you. You know, it's this whole dramatic moment. And he runs to the window and screams something that you can't understand out the window. Okay. And he saves Fantasia. Okay. Remember? Do you remember what that he says? That I don't remember. Okay. So no. that, that's how he saves Fantasia and begins to rebuild it and all of that. Okay. It's because he has to rename the childlike empress. Now, with the technology that is afforded to us today, I was like, I'm going to turn captions on and Finally, after all these years, you'll know what he said. I'm going to know the name that he gives the childlike empress. Because in my, I try to come up with all these ideas. Like, is it his mom's name? Like, you just can't figure it out. He runs to the window and renames the childlike empress Moonchild. Call my name. All right, I'll do it. Moonchild. 
Are you kidding me? Nope. That's what he calls her to rename the childlike empress and rebuild Fantasia. He calls her moon child. Yeah, that, that, that's nuts. Mm-hmm. Dude, where you see these things show up when you start learning to look for them, it's actually, it's interesting, but it's also a bit scary because they come up in some of the benign, the most benign places you would expect. Uh-huh. Like I remember watching Looney Tunes and they had one where this Martian came and I guess that there were two babies. Mm-hmm. One was a little white baby, a boy, and the other one was a, a little green Martian baby. Okay. And they got the two confused, like somewhere in the hospital. Okay. And so the Martian baby got delivered to the white parents. And the the baby boy got delivered to the uh, the Martians, and everybody was confused. But they tried to raise these kids up, and the Martian baby did really good, excelled in school and all that. And of course, the the human baby didn't do too well. But they they called the Martian baby boy, they called him boy, okay. and then they called the human baby on Mars. They called him Yob. And it wasn't until I saw it written out that I realized Yob is boy backwards. Really? Yeah. Wow. Just interesting where this stuff just, I mean, like, who thought of that? Yeah. You could call him anything. Mm-hmm. You, you decide to rename him backwards. That's interesting. For the aliens. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, okay. <laughs> I was like, yeah, that's not that's not lost on me. Uh, it's also interesting that we're taught, we're not taught, but, like, one of the popular things going around on Facebook mm-hmm. is the idea, if you can read this backwards, you're one of the fewest few people right. on the planet who could do this because of the way the mind's set up. Oh, I didn't see that one. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, I'm doing it. I'm uh-huh. reading it backwards. I'm like, that's pretty cool. I wonder how much of this I could really do. Not realizing there may be a possibility they're training me in subtle ways for, for occult uh, rituals. Yeah. I'm like, that's kind of scary. It is. Even, uh, oh, what were you going to say? I was going to say in DC Comics. Yeah, that's actually where I was about to go. Okay. Because I, 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 I what is her name? Zatanna, I mm, think. Yep. I was watching um, Constantine uh-huh. and Batman. There's a cartoon that, that was on where they uh, they do a thing together. Really dark, actually. Yeah. Like, Batman it, and Constantine together. Yeah. yeah really it, dark. it was surprisingly how dark it was. Um, but they had Zatanna and she was doing a spell. Mm-hmm. And I personally like to, I've tried to train myself to read and put the captions on. Okay. Uh, because I think that it adds another layer of engagement with the material and I'm able to actually see what is being said as opposed to trying to discern what's being said. And sometimes you can't. Right. It also allows me to, to get into other content that's not, you know, okay. recorded in English. But I was reading reading the captions on this and she started casting her spell. Mm-hmm. And I looked at it and I was like, wait, whoa, 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 whoa. Paused it and read it. And I realized her spell was backwards. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that is not accidental. No, it's you not. You know what you're doing. Uh-huh. You know, all of this stuff. I don't know how people are getting to think backwards or write backwards. I haven't seen that done. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, this law of reversals actually gets fed out to the masses uh, in surprising ways on a, on a fairly regular basis. Mm-hmm. And we just kind of accept, like, oh, that's cool. Look what they can do. Right, because we don't think about it very well. Right. But it, it comes from a satanic place. You know, Aleister Crowley and his teachings. You know, somebody said, um, we, we were talking about some of the stuff that, that we have been doing so far in this this series. Mm-hmm. And the idea was kind of like, all right, listen, you guys have gone over a few people here. You, you know, you got Blavatsky, you got Bailey, and you got Crowley. You know, what? what's the big thing with all these people? And I'm like, okay, I can kind of see it. It seems like it was a while ago. 
Mm-hmm. Nobody that you really deal with. I mean, Crowley, here's this guy who just influenced a couple rock groups. You know, what's the big thing? Mm-hmm. Why, do, why are you guys focusing on him? And I'm like, hey, if that's really what you think, you've really missed the point. Right. And I'm like, what are you talking about? I said, okay, well, Crowley, just as an example, Crowley influenced the Beatles. If you understand anything about rock and roll, the Beatles and Elvis were pretty much responsible for establishing an entire genre of music. Mm-hmm. The Beatles come from, <laughs> from, from England. Yeah. I was like, look, look, okay. This is something my brother-in-law told me a long time ago and I was arguing with him over it. And unfortunately I think he might actually have proven to be correct, but he talked about how the United States is not as independent and separate from Britain as we'd like to think. Okay. Like we're constantly told that we are free, right? And mm-hmm. independent from them, but we're not. And I was like, nah, I don't believe you. I think we are. We're our whole little, I mean, we fought for it. We've got our own American culture. We're fairly independent and separate. Right. Unfortunately, I think the average American would be shocked to realize how much British culture populates and I'll say even pollutes American culture. Okay. Like we don't readily think about this. Take some of your most well-known actors, right? You'd be surprised how many of the of the big name actors in Hollywood mm-hmm. are actually not American. They're actually British. Okay. Give you an example. Henry Cavill, guy who plays Superman. He's British? He's British. He grew up in Jersey, not New Jersey. Okay. He, Idris Elba. Everybody knows him. Right. He was hoping he'd be the new James Bond. Yeah. British. Christian Bale, British. Charlie Hunnam, who plays Jax Teller uh-huh. on Sons of Anarchy, British. James McAvery. Who's British. That? James McAvery, he, he plays uh, um, Professor X in X-Men, the younger one. Okay, okay. He also played in Wanted. He played in um, Unbreakable. The second one? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's British. Uh, Daniel Kaluuya is British. And I'm like, that one I I didn't expect. Tom Holland's British. Tom Hardy. Shasha uh, Baron Cohen is British. Okay. Andrew Lincoln, the guy who plays Rick on- uh, The Walking Dead? Yeah, British. Henry Golding, the Asian dude that's in uh, Crazy Rich Asians. Actually British. Kit Harrington. Oh, Gary Oldman. We're like, huh. okay, okay, I kind of figured that <laughs> one. But I didn't figure John Boyaga. Who's that? The guy from uh Don't look at me like Star that. Wars, because you know who he is. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. The guy from the uh, the black dude from Star Wars. Uh-huh. Didn't know he was British. Interesting. All right. Robert uh Pattinson, the guy from uh Twilight. Twilight. I haven't seen those. I'm mad I had the answer and I didn't have the Star Wars answer. <laughs> Why didn't we both just go to the new Batman? <laughs> yeah, that would have been better. I fell asleep during that one too, though. Right? Uh, uh, the guy who played the villain in in, in Venom, Riz uh, Ahmed. Okay. Uh, the guy who was over the 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 company. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's British. He's actually a British rapper. Andrew Garfield. Okay. Ian McGregor. Obi-Wan is British. Yeah. Daniel yeah. Day-Lewis, he's British. Jude Law is British. Uh, Dominic Purcell is British. Andy Serkis, you know, Smeagol, give us the precious. Right, right. No, he doesn't sound British. Ian yeah. McKellen, the guy who plays uh, Magneto. And, and Gandalf, yeah. Yeah, and Gandalf, he's British. Orlando Bloom is yeah. British. 
Chit, oh, I can never pronounce this dude's name. Chitwell Idrafor. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> does not sound that, British at all. not sound British. No, he's British. Sounds like you got something in your throat when right? you're trying to say his name. He has to be African. He's Chitwell Idrafor. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. Loki. Say my name. Loki. Say my name. <laughs> All right, Tom Hiddleston is British. Yeah. I'm like, yo, does it stop? You know, Hugh Laurie, the guy who plays on House, he's okay. British. Martin Freeman, the guy who played, uh, who, who was in Black Panther, they call him the colonizer. Mm -hmm. He's British. I mean, yo, the list, Ian McShane. We were talking about uh, um, John Wick, uh -huh. the guy who plays in the Continental as Winston. Okay. He's British. Sam Worthington, Tim Roth is British. Even Kiefer Sutherland. Like, I couldn't believe it when I got to Kiefer. I was like, you telling me Jack Bauer is not American? <laughs> He's British? I said, oh, it's going to take more than 24 hours for me to kick Jack's behind over that one. I, I ain't willing to accept it. That's funny. Okay, now I killed a couple minutes here going through this list. Mm -hmm. Why? Because if, if I had asked the average person, name me 10 actors that you know are British. I bet you most of these names wouldn't have come up. Right. Think of these names I just listed. This is a good chunk of Hollywood. I haven't even dealt with females. Okay. And this is just in the movie side. If British culture has influenced American culture that way, just a movie, mm -hmm. what do you think has happened on the occult side? When we mention somebody like Aleister Crowley, when we say that he influenced the Beatles, who set the stage for rock and roll across the world. That is huge. When he's, in, when he's influenced several other subsequent mainstream artists like uh, Iron Maiden, like Jim Morrison, like Ozzy Osbourne, you know, like David Bowie, when he's influenced the, the likes of Jay-Z, Rihanna, Kanye West, uh, Beyonce, there's no way you can walk away and go, that's just a, this is a drop in the bucket, dude. He's not, not that big a guy. Right. Yo, that's huge. When he's a contemporary of Alice Bailey and Alice Bailey is writing works that were established off of Helena Blavatsky and Bailey is using her works in order to influence Western society and gets her company and grafted into the United Nations and becomes her company becomes the, the publishing arm of the United Nations. That's huge. Right. Like, we're talking major players. Mm -hmm. I'm talking to a person, they're like, oh. I'm like, you didn't get none of that from what we was talking about? <laughs> I, was like, I mean, just the way you unfolded it right here, I mean, it makes a lot of sense. I'm like, okay, cool. I'm glad it makes sense. Now, you know, if you're a person that's been listening to us from day one, okay, most of that you already knew. Mm -hmm. If you've just come in and you've just maybe been listening to the Snakeheads series and you're like, why are we talking about this? This is why. Right. But now all of this affects what we're going to talk about today. Because this last snakehead is a power player, too, who has direct ties to Crowley, which then means that there's a direct tie to Bailey and Blavatsky. Right. Which keeps the Crimson plumb line open. Mm-hmm. That's why we're talking about these people. Yeah. Well put. Well put. Thank you, sir. Thank you. So going back to what we're talking about, backward masking was just an arm of a, another kind of rage or phenomenon that happened. The satanic panic. Mm -hmm. Have you heard of that? I have. It's funny. I was talking to, to uh, some of my family and they were like, satanic panic. I don't know what that is. And then I kind of described it to them. And they're like, oh yeah, I remember that. They just don't remember it under that, under that, that, table. that term. Cause it's, 
it's interesting. If you, if you look it up, you're not going to get the Operation Red Pill definition. Because you could only get that here. That's why y'all listening. Right, That's right. why we give it to you free of charge because <laughs> this is good information that you can only get here. It is. So, if you don't know, the satanic panic was immediate and occult response to the public's rising fear of sex trafficking and ritual abuse that was spreading across the nation. And you'd be like, I'm sorry, what? Yeah. <laughs> wait, wait, what, what was going on? Because the 80s was a good time. Mm-mm, yes, it was. Mm-mm, mm-mm. Oh, because you, you had it was a it was a beautiful time. We had just gotten rid of the wall. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. <laughs> you know, we somebody got ran over by a tank. But for the most part, for the most we, part, it was okay. We was doing pretty good. No, not really. Really? Yeah. So there was a, a mass rise in sex trafficking and ritual abuse. Okay. But the satanic panic ended up being the um, psyop against the the average American, where occultists accused Christian fundamentalists of panicking and being ignorant of social groups, and it was just a panic. That's all it was. Okay, it's it's interesting. It's it seems like a clever orchestrated response to 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 manage the opposition. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I th- I think it was very clever. It seems like they downplayed really what was happening here. Yeah, they absolutely did. And the, this quote-unquote panic actually set the stage for the ideological war. It brought it to the main stage, the main forefront of culture between Christians and occultism that still happens to this day. But you've got to ask, who could do this? Who could orchestrate such a widespread information war and develop this new occult order? We've got to know, who are the snakeheads? It was not easy sifting through the layers and layers of information that I tried to find on this thing. Okay. Because everything that I found was just dismissive. So I was looking up satanic panic. I was looking up sex trafficking in the 80s. I was looking up um, SRA, which is sexual or um, satanic ritual abuse. Mm -hmm. And everyone tries to dismiss it without any solid evidence to be like this this isn't real right okay it was all just a dismissive oh people were being crazy or whatever right so here here's just what wikipedia i found a bunch of stuff there'll be links and stuff in, in the show notes uh but just to give the general sentiment of information that you'll find about the satanic panic it mirrors uh what in um instagram what wikipedia says right here So it says the satanic panic is a moral panic consisting of 12,000 unsubstantiated cases of satanic ritual abuse. SRA, sometimes known as ritual abuse, ritualistic abuse, organized abuse, or sadistic ritual abuse. Lots of different terms for it. It's kind of scary that there's that many forms of abuse, and I know that's not an exhaustive list. Right. But it says... Starting in the United States in the 1980s, spreading throughout many parts of the world by the late 1990s, and persisting today. I think that's important. Mm -hmm. The panic originated in 1980 with the publication of Michelle Remembers, a book co-written by Canadian psychiatrist Lawrence Padzer. 
and his patient and future wife, they have to put that in parentheses, uh, Michelle Smith, which used the discredited practice of recovery memory therapy to make sweeping, lurid claims about satanic ritual abuse involving Smith. The allegations, which afterwards arose throughout much of the United States, involved reports of physical and sexual abuse of people in the context of occult or satanic rituals. In its most extreme form, allegations involve a conspiracy of global satanic cult that involves the wealthy and powerful world elite in which children are abducted and bred for human sacrifice, pornography, and prostitution. An allegation that returned to prominence in the form of QAnon. So anyone that's had their ear to the ground or at least not been under a rock the last several years realizes that this stuff sounds a little bit more like mainstream news. Mm-hmm. than just 12,000 unsubstantiated cases. Right. But it's interesting that Wikipedia goes on to say that it's a moral panic in the 1980s and 90s about alleged satanic ritual abuse that occurred mainly in parts of the English-speaking world, and it was propagated by certain psychotherapists, social workers, Christian fundamentalists, and law enforcement officers. So I'm sitting here just reading it and you know trying to objectively objectively look at this information and you're telling me there's 12,000 cases across the English speaking world and corroborated events with psychotherapists, social workers, Christians, and law enforcement. And it's all somehow just completely disregarded is a moral panic and unsubstantiated claims. Right. That's insane. That seems completely implausible. Right. How do you have 12,000 reported cases that this is all just made up? Yeah. It really sounds like, and I know this is probably hard for people to come to terms with, but it follows the same basic uh, thumbprint of discrediting a message if you can't control the narrative. Yes. So that's kind of the same thing that was done with UFOs. Okay, yeah. You can have all these reported cases, but nah, your tinfoil hat. Mm-hmm. Nah, you probably saw a weather balloon. Nah, you just think you saw it. You're misremembering. You you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's the same thing. Um, so what's happening here? Uh, you're a conspiracy theorist. Or there's 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 just there's no truth to this. We have the official government report. Mm-hmm. You know, a building imploded on itself after a plane hit it, and, <laughs> uh, and that's what it says. So anything else, you're, you're crazy. Right? Forget about Building Seven. You know, we you you have this this method of trying to control the narrative that constantly discredits what's obvious in, in front of you and what you see because you just can't flat out just lie about it. Right. And say, say no. Right. And, and this is why I think that the satanic panic, that title is really the, the effort, the psyop, the, the social brainwashing mm-hmm. to, to try to discredit that message. Like you were saying. Yeah. So I'm going to include, include in the show notes, a, a video from a whistleblower police officer, John Wedger, did, did you get that video when I sent it to you? No. Okay. Yeah, I haven't seen that. Really disturbing. Okay. If, if What does he talk about? He um, was an investigator, worked really well, had a lot of accolades. Uh, he worked for Scotland Yard. Okay. But he kept moving around. He wanted to find, you know, the thing that he was real passionate about or whatever. And he just couldn't escape this idea of like child sex trafficking. Everywhere that he went, it seemed to play a part, right? Okay. So you, one of the things that he says is like heroin is such a big deal, but why is heroin a big deal? Like it's it's a, what is it, an anesthetic? 
right? So it helps deal with pain, but it doesn't just help deal with physical pain. It helps deal with emotional pain. Heroin? Yeah. I thought heroin's like an opioid. It is. Okay. You call it an anesthetic though? I'm, that, I, it was a question. I think I'm using okay. the wrong term. Okay. I'm, I'm with you, man. But it, it's, a, it's a painkiller, but it helps with emotional pain. So he was recognizing that all of these issues of heroin actually stem from a deeper level of pain. Hmm. And that it's from trafficking. But this guy, every time he would look into it and he would find stuff, they'd tell him, you got to stop. You're being too successful. They wouldn't say you're being too successful. They're like, oh, we can't afford to, to run this anymore. So like he would take over for detectives who had run the branch for a couple of years and found maybe half a dozen trafficked individuals, right? Okay. He said he'd step into it, and in a week, he found 50. So these people have been studying for a while. They can't find hardly any. Right. In a week, he like, what, Steps triples? In, yeah, more than that. I couldn't do the math that quick. No, it's all right. Yeah, so he more than triples. And every time he's about to have this big break or whatever, he gets shut down. His boss says, look, I was told by everyone that if I get rid of everyone on the police force, I need to keep you. But if you keep going down this trail, it's going to ruin your life. You're going to lose your home. You're going to lose your job. And the answer was always, it's coming down from the top. You know, that's not the first time I've heard something like that. You know, I, I was listening to another podcast that was actually detailing a person who was an uh, a, a independent um, investigator, private eye, mm -hmm. but had actually also been the victim of satanic ritual abuse. Okay. And one of the things that he was stating was that as he would go through his investigations and actually talk with people in law enforcement, the thing he kept getting back, whether it was FBI, local PD, um, federal agencies, what have you, you need to be very careful and very certain of what you are doing here and that you want to go down this path because this is a multi-billion dollar industry. And mm -hmm. these people do not have trouble disappearing folk who get too close. Right. I was like, yo, that's, that's chilling. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like if you want to put the spotlight on this and really say this is going on, you got to be willing to actually die for it because most likely you will. Yeah. You'll get suicided with two shots in the back of your head mm -hmm. and the report will show that and nobody will do anything about it. Right. So apparently I'm not sure exactly the year that this video took place. I know it's after 2012, but he was actually organizing. He had found some other people that came into the same issue that they were told to shut up. They were told to leave this alone. They were told to walk away. Uh, so he's actually trying to get a band together uh, to try to fight back against this really interesting video. But what's most disturbing is America, at least the United States is actually considered a worse condition for trafficking than Europe. Really? Mm -hmm. Why? Because we're, we're poised to be the new Atlantis. I don't know exactly why. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. so, they, so they claim satanic panic is just a moral panic. Nothing really happened. You know, the whole penguins from Madagascar. You didn't see anything. <laughs> right. So, but I do want to, I want to take a moment to build the framework of someone that's living in the 80s, right? Okay. So first we have Helena Blavatsky. We go way back. We got to, we got to build and kind of show what we're dealing with. So our first snakehead that we had was uh, Blavatsky, who influenced the Thule Society, which was the dark arts version of the Nazi Socialist Party, right? Right. So that occult occultism provided the ideological framework that allowed the, the Holocaust to happen, which included brainwashing, mental and physical and sexual abuse. Are you, we're already seeing some similarities here, right? Right. <clears throat> but after the CIA used Project Paperclip to bring those scientists, you're making a face. 
Yeah, you said project I, operation. Operation. But you're not wrong. Okay. Just, I was like, that sounds weird. <laughs> okay. So paperclip they used to bring these scientists over and the occultists to continue those same practices in America. Right. Yeah. This led. That, that was the establishment of the CIA. Right. Mm-hmm. This led to projects like Artichoke, Bluebird, and MK Ultra. So this is important. I'll, I'll explain, but it, it'll make sense here in a minute. So this is what uh, Wikipedia has to say about MK Ultra. It says Project MK Ultra was the code name for quasi legal. Ha! Huh, I have to laugh. Quasi legal, which means illegal. <laughs> right. Come on, people. For this illegal human experimentation program, sorry, human experimentation program designed and undertaken by the U.S. Central Intelligence Agency. The experiments were intended to develop procedures and identify drugs such as LSD that could be used in interrogations to weaken individuals and force confessions through brainwashing and psychological torture. MKUltra used numerous methods to manipulate its subjects, their mental states, and brain functions, such as the covert administration of high doses of psychoactive drugs like LSD and other chemicals, electroshocks, hypnosis, sensory deprivation, isolation, and verbal and sexual abuse, in addition to other forms of torture. This is what our government is doing to its own citizens. Sexual abuse. MK Ultra was preceded by two drug-related experiments, like we said earlier, Bluebird and Artichoke. It began in 1953, but it was reduced in scope in 1964 and 1967 because there was information leaked. And as people started poking around and looking for it, they had to start changing their methods a little bit because nobody wants to get caught on the carpet for sexually abusing their own citizens. Right. And for those, now that we're already this deep in, PSA, it's going to get a little bit more graphic as we go through right, and, and talk up. about some of this. Yeah. So if, if this might trigger you if you might feel uncomfortable with, with what I just said. It's going to get worse before it gets better. So just a, just a heads up. So MKUltra was reduced in scope in 1964 and 1967, but it was halted altogether not until 1973. It was organized through the CIA's Office of Scientific Intelligence and coordinated with United States Army Biological Warfare Laboratories. The program engaged in illegal activities, including the use of U.S. citizens and Canadian citizens as unwitting test subjects. This, this is horrible. This is one of those things that just saying it doesn't have the gravity of what actually happened. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Because I'm, I'm listening to you read this. I'm like, I don't think people really get the implications of this. Right. You know, this stuff was enacted under Alan Dulles, who was, I believe, the, the second uh, um, head of the CIA. Okay. But he gets installed right after the Tavistock Institute is instituted and set up. Mm-hmm. And, uh, one, you know, he, under General uh, John Rawlings Reese, when he gets set up over here, they get these programs together and they start instituting Nazi level torture programs mm-hmm. that are authorized by the government of the United States. Now, yes, some things were illegal, but on the whole, the government's okay with this because we want to see essentially if we can weaponize witchcraft. Right. That's exactly that, what it is. That's really the goal end of the day. Mm-hmm. If we can break a person's mind, I don't care what we have to do. We can use psychotropic drugs. We can use chemicals. We can use electroshock. 
We can use physical abuse, sleep deprivation, you know, sensory abuse. We can even use sexual abuse. And by the way, we're not just going to do this haphazardly. We're going to do it systematically. Right. We're going to try to learn. I don't care how often you scream, cry, crap your pants, you know, piss yourself. It doesn't matter. Right. We're going to figure out what it takes to break a person's mind. That That's one of the things I was thinking about. If you've experienced this it, on, on, on any level, could you as the victim be able to determine the difference between systematic and scientific sexual abuse and ritual abuse? Oh, I don't think you could. I'd say they're the same thing. Yeah, they got to be pretty much identical. Right. You know, maybe maybe with the absence of black robes. Okay. Right, uh, they're in white robes instead. Yeah, like if you if you don't have maybe the classic ritual which some of them do require that, mm -hmm. you know, if you're not in a magic circle, if you're not inside a pentagram, if you don't have, you know, a fire, a fire ring around you, uh, if you don't have some of the hooded figures, you might not readily be able, especially after multiple sessions of torture to adequately distinguish between those two. Right. But what's really getting me is if this was scientific test, mm -hmm. we're told in the American populace, trust the science, trust the science. Yep. Nobody wants to stop and question and go, yeah, yes. Piss on that. Where should you get this scientific information from? Mm -hmm. Like, do you guys get this? This is not like a one-off. Right. Or two-off. Like, this was multiple. This was thousands of people. Right. This is the third iteration of mind control projects. And it didn't just happen in, like, back alleys. They weren't just picking homeless people. Not that that would make it any better. Right. But they used over 80 institutions. Some, some places I've seen over 200 separate institutions of colleges, universities, hospitals, prisons, and pharmaceutical industries to enact these practices. Yeah. That's crazy. I mean, think about it. What, what if OSU was one of those institutions, which I would have to bet my bottom dollar was probably involved on some level because it's a main university. Mm -hmm. I'm not accusing them of that. Just, you know, my guess. Right. Stanford, my guess. Cornell, my guess. Mm -hmm. You know, these Yale, um, there might have been something going on there, maybe a little different. Right. You know, wherever, see, they done caught us. Yep. The thought police Let's pack is out. it up. Let's go. That's right. They on to us. I am, I am not suicidal. I'm, I'm crazy. A, I'm going to keep saying that. <laughs> but, you, you know, you, imagine that your local place, you know, your local high higher institution uh, facility, like Indiana University, mm -hmm. we know what happened there with Kinsey and the sex studies. Right. This type of stuff goes on. But then let's take it a step further. Let's not even say that it's there in your local uh, educational facility. What if it's going on like in your military ranks? Yeah. What if it's going on on military bases? What if it's going on in dumbs? For those who don't know, it's deep underground military base. Mm -hmm. You know, places where you can't get out, places where they don't hear you scream, places where if they do hear you scream, they don't care. Right. They laugh and keep it going. Like this is some sick, twisted, satanic stuff. Yeah, it is. That that goes absolutely. On. And it goes on repeatedly. But here in the land of the free, home with the brave, <laughs> a wonderful Christian nation. Right. This seems like conspiracy theory. Right. Because they're in suits and ties instead of black robes, it's somehow not satanic. Oh, absolutely. But the thing that alarms me is that this particular project mk ultra went on until 1973 no i gotta push back on that okay official officially yes declarations is that it went on to 1973 right if you spent the millions of dollars in in research and you've got 
the institutional framework and networks in place, mm -hmm. you're not shutting this down just because people got their, their panties in a bunch. Right. You'll rename it. You'll reclassify it. You're smart enough to kind of shuffle your cards a little bit, but you keep it going. Right. There's too much at stake here. Because they didn't just decide to wake up one day and be like, oh, well, we shouldn't be doing this. Yeah, what do they do, grow a conscience? No. Like, these are Satanists that run these programs. Mm -hmm. They're not like, ah, I feel bad. You know, this is like the 1,000th child that we've tortured and mutilated. Maybe we shouldn't be doing this. Right. That's not what happened. Weren't they under investigation? So they tried to burn all of their documents. Mm-hmm. And they, they, what is it? I don't know if they had Freedom of Information Act back then. But it, yeah, there was a uh, there there was a, a FISA, not a FISA, but a Freedom of Information suit that was being done, and what they destroyed most of their documents, but they decided to just give out this box of documents that they figured there was nothing there. I think it was like receipts, right? And the guy who got it, the guy who was doing the suit, actually was smart enough to figure out what he had in his possession, which was a paper trail, a record of the various payoffs and programs that the CIA was running. Right. That's what blew this out the water. Mm -hmm. So all the information that we have about the grotesque things was, was discovered just by following receipts, which means the other stuff that got hidden is probably way, way worse than that. I got to say this just because we're here. I know time's of the essence. Um, but w w one of the things I hope people are sensitive to and taken away from this, if the government is willing to do this then, mm -hmm. what do you think they're willing to do now? Right. It's the same practice, the same let's destroy evidence, the same let's uh, obstruct justice, let's get in the way of the public understanding what's happening is the exact same thing that we saw done to us two years ago over these last two years. It's the same government in the form of the CDC that says, oh, well, we can't print up all of the documents that you're requesting because it would just take too long. We don't have the ability to print that many pages. Right. And the court has to say, Piss on that. Give me 50,000 or 50,000 pages of documents that you have. Right. Only for the public to find out that the things the CIA or the, the CDC has been saying it didn't know, it full out knew. Right. It's, and all this stuff that was censored on social media is fake news. And, and fact checked by Zuckerberg and his cronies. Right. All, almost every bit of it was, was true. true. Yeah. Yeah. This is, this is what the Bible calls the suppression of truth. This is what it looks like. It doesn't look like, shh, stop saying that. We'll talk about that here. No, it looks like, um, I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, I'm sorry, I can't print that out. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm a little foggy on that. No, nothing to see here. <laughs> I don't remember. <laughs> right. I'm not quite sure. Yeah. Nah, nah, sounds like conspiracy theory, poppycock, all right? Trust the science. Everything's safe. You're okay. Okay. If you, you believe that, this is the same government that would torture you. Right. For for grins and giggles. Yeah. Just to see if we could break your mind to create an alternative personality that we can manipulate. Mm -hmm. Your government will try to find ways to weaponize sorcery and use you as the as as the guinea pig. Right. They have a long, long history of it. Right. But to give some context, like 1973, we might have some younger listeners. I don't know if this will help or not. I thought it was interesting because I thought in my mind that like MK Ultra was done in the 50s. Like right, way, way, way back. Way, way back. Yeah. But no, the fact that it was, was um, officially operating until 1973, which is after The Godfather came out, The Exorcist, A Clockwork Orange, uh, Play Misty for me. 
which I, I think it's a great movie. I think it, uh, I think it represents a level of female psychosis with a staggering level of accuracy. <laughs> okay. Interesting. It, 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 it's, it's pretty good. The guy, uh, uh, Clint Eastwood, he runs a, he's like a disc jockey. And this chick calls in, you know, can you play Misty for me? Cause I guess Misty was a song from that okay. day or whatever. Not that this has anything to do with MK ultra. It's just this movie. Gotcha. Um, and she listens to it and then she ends up showing up at the, uh, like radio headquarters. What's that called? Wow. I'm radio station, radio station. <laughs> that place where the, the frequency comes out of the room. Right. But no. And, and then she ends up going crazy, but well, no. just for grins and giggles. Like I, I don't know when your parents were born, but my parents were born early fifties, mm-hmm. like 51 and 53. So this stuff is happening when they are like 20, 22. So it could have been happening to your parents. Could have been. That's, I mean, that's crazy. how close yeah. we're talking. It, it, it's not that far back. Right. It's really, really not. And, and to it's called science, but like we said earlier, you track it back and it's based off of the occult practices of the Nazis. Right. Yes, the, the satanic problem, practices. Correct. The problem is not that it's called science. The problem is that we have embedded in our mind the notion that science is divorced from the spiritual world. And it's not. Science is just the discovery of disciplines and, and, and laws that exist in nature. That also includes the spiritual world. You can discover laws in the spiritual world just like you can natural laws in nature. Right. And it can be scientific. That does not mean that it's not metaphysical in nature, that it's not dealing with the quantum realm or things outside of the laws of physics. True. It can be because science by nature is just knowledge. So right. you can have knowledge about things that are, that are outside of the physical universe. And it still be quote unquote scientific. That's fair. I like that. Thanks, man. Expect the invoice. So th- this is where I start putting things together, and this this is a little bit of um, I don't want to say assumption, but what's the uh, what's the term I'm looking for here? Uh, You're starting to sound a lot like me. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I'm I, I'm connecting some things here that I haven't found actual documentation for. But so you call it a little bit of speculation, a little bit of speculation, but okay. I'll lay it out for you and you tell me what you think. Okay. Cause I don't believe in coincidence. This is interesting. All right. So they claim the MK ultra was reduced in scope between 1964 and 1967. Right. Okay. So this would be where they they start undergoing like scrutiny, other government organizations and other people are like, you, what are you guys doing? And they're like, Oh crap. We have to have a contingency plan. So as they reduce it in scope, at the same time, 1966, an interesting thing happens. The Church of Satan was founded right in the middle of that period by none other than our point of focus today, Anton Sandor LaVey. It's creepy. Yeah, this is going to get good. So I couldn't find anywhere else that the Church of Satan was actually tied to MK Ultra until until I found this interesting name Michael Aquino. Have you heard of him? I have. <clears throat> I, I believe it, there's a couple things I've I've heard about Michael Aquino. The okay. First thing was that um he 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 founded the Temple of Set. Yes. Uh which I think he did later in his career. Right. He uh, left the Church of Satan to do Temple of Set. Right. And I, I believe while he was at the Church of Satan, he he was also a uh, high-ranking army 
officer. Yes. But there are some, uh, I, I don't want to upstage yet, but there are some things I, I researched <laughs> about him that I found very interesting to this point that we're at now. Okay. And you want me to tell you? You, uh, I don't know. You want me to go through my bit and then you add yours or do you want to go first? Um, I tell you what, cause I'm just looking over the notes here. I think what I, what I was going to add predates some of the stuff you're going to talk about. Okay. So I'll say this to keep it brief. Um, there is a tie, believe it or not, between uh, Aquino and um, Crowley. Really? There is. Okay, that I that I didn't see. Yeah, they, they, and, and and to do this, you got to take a couple steps back. Now, if you go back to Aquino's mother, she was basically considered like a, a savant, right? Okay. So I believe uh, people were trying to, there was a guy who was trying to track her um, and use her and, and some other individuals as test bids at Stanford University to kind of track these gifted children. Okay. And so she kind of gets into the, the creme de la creme society because Stanford was established by, I believe it, it was a railroad tycoon, Stanford family. Okay. All right. So she kind of gets in there. Uh, I believe she she does some babysitting for the Stanfords or whatever. But she kind of gets used to posh society. Goes through, graduates. Think like nineteen twenty nine. Kind of hangs around that area and then moves um, to San Francisco. Right. Okay. But at the same time, uh, Jack Parsons is kind of in the same area. Also a very intelligent individual. Right. Also doing some of his his studies uh, and things, and and it's believed that they may have met and interacted. Okay. All right. Now, one of the reasons for that, uh, her name is uh, Betty Ford Aquino. Okay. And it's not Betty Ford, the the former first lady. Okay. So that's the first thing I jumped to. I was like, well, yeah. <laughs> but no, it's not her. Um, just they carry similar, have similar names. Okay. Uh, but she was uh. One of the things that's interesting when you look at Jack Parsons, he had a harem of women that he constantly kept around him that he would use for some of his sex ritual work. Mm-hmm. And he would call them Bettys. He's like, oh, that's kind of interesting. It is. Doesn't mean that, it, that 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 he knew her, but it's just one of those things. You're in the same area. It's kind of interesting that you're going to name somebody a- after that. And here she is kind of like this, this savant type of child that everybody's kind of got their eye on. Like, you know, who is she? Mm-hmm. Um, but then when uh, Parsons gets, um, he, he leaves the Stanford area, I believe he goes to San Francisco. And at the same time, that is when L. Ron Hubbard gets a new change of station and he gets posted at his last duty post in Oakland. Okay. And so they're in the same area, Oakland and San Francisco, right across the bay from each other. They happen to meet because they're in the same small esoteric circles. Right. So... Parsons and L. Ron Hubbard, which we talked about in our last episode with Aliester Crowley, they actually get together. Uh, I want to say it's 1945 or 1946, and they try to replicate Aliester Crowley's sex magic ritual, the Amalantra working, but they try to do their own with the Babylon working. Right. And in that, Parsons actually uh, is is having, the both of them are having sex with, with multiple women. Mm-hmm. But Parsons actually says that, uh, <clears throat> what, what's the lady's name? Uh, that he believed was the whore of Babylon. Um, shoot, what was it? it? Started with an M. Yeah, Margaret or Mar Marjorie. Marjorie. Okay, so he believes that he that she's the one that 
got pregnant with the moon child. Okay. But then L. Ron Hubbard, on the other hand, was having sex with multiple people, right? Okay. Now, you go you, you go back from, from this ritual who we know that, that Aquino's mother was there. Mm-hmm. Nine months after the ritual, Aquino was born. Really? Michael Aquino. Huh. And he himself states that he was the product of Crowley's disciples' work. Wow. I had no idea. We we might have to do a full episode on Aquino. On, on Aquino? Yeah, we might have to. There's a lot of good stuff there. Yeah, because so, the stuff I found was just, I mean, maybe an hour worth of research. Yeah, we, we got to get into him. Yeah. But if he is the child that has the result of uh, copulative exercises <laughs> that were done between his mother and L. Ron Hubbard, mm-hmm. which they say, if you look at him, he has a striking resemblance to, to L. Ron Hubbard. Okay. You know, the, 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 the founder of the Church of Scientology. If that's the case, then here we have a direct tie to Crowley because these are Crowley's disciples. Right. And in fact, Crowley dies one year after they do this ritual. Huh. Man, that's crazy. Isn't it? Yeah. Absolutely yeah. nuts. <laughs> so I think there is a direct tie. Oh, yeah. And I if, would say so. And if that's true, which I think it is, then it definitely creates the tie between Crowley and LeVay. Right. But that's all I got to say about that. No, that's good. So we are going to get into the LeVay, but I think that Aquino is important for the MK Ultra connection. Got you. So for those that don't know, Michael Aquino was a psychological warfare specialist in the U.S. Army from 1968 to 1990. And based off of what we already know about those institutions, probably was into some unsavory things. Yeah, psychological warfare specialist? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It means he's into psyops. <laughs> right. So when he was involuntarily discharged as a result of investigations into his involvement in ritual sexual abuse of children at the Predesto Daycare Center in San Francisco. Throughout the same time, he has also been a devout Satanist and self-confessed neo-Nazi. All, all this stuff tied together. Mm-hmm. So he joined Anton LaVey's church in 1969 and stayed until 1975 when he left. And that's when he started his... Uh, his own religion, the Temple of Set. Yeah. Which has been in operation since then. So if you look at it, MK Ultra starts getting investigated, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. They down downgrade or re- reduce their size, right? They're like, ah, oh, well, maybe we should. I'm, I look at it more as diver- diversification, right? Okay. We got to start moving stuff around because if they come for us, we don't want to lose all this. Right. In the midst of that time, the Church of Satan is formed. And then a couple years later, this MK Ultra um, uh, operator, I guess would be the term, right? Okay. Because he was involved in MK Ultra, Aquino mm-hmm. ends up joining the Church of Satan, almost as maybe like LeVay's handler, because he stays there for a couple of years, you know, makes sure everything's all right, and then bounces and does his own thing. I don't know. Now, I'd be intrigued to find out if he was, because LeVay at this point would have been significantly older than Aquino. Okay. Because LeVay was, was born back 30s, I think, 1932 or something like that. 30, somewhere. Was he? Yeah, he was born back in the 30s. Okay. So uh, he was? He was like 67 when he died. Okay, interesting. Yeah. So, so he would have been significantly older than Aquino. 
So I'm not sure. And it's not to say he still couldn't have been his handler. Mm -hmm. It just would have seemed, I, I wonder how that would have connected if he was. I'm not sure. Be that as it may, I think LeVay does exhibit some characteristics of someone under mind control. I think so too. But And then um, the other thing is Aquino wasn't just part of the Church of Satan. He was also part of um, like the, the inner chamber or whatever. I think it was called the Black Circle or okay. the Magic Circle or something, which was like LeVay's trusted cohort or group inner, of people. The inner circle. Yeah. Okay. And Aquino was part of that. Okay. So as we get into some more of what he's known for, uh, these are insta instances that happened in 1985 and 1986. So this is when, this would be like mid or height of what they try to call is just satanic panic. Everyone's freaking out for no reason, right? Right. This is, this is what happens. So 1985, allegations of ritual abuse at the Jubilation Daycare Center at Fort Bragg erupted when several children reported being sexually abused by a number of people at the daycare, daycare center and other locations, including at least two churches. And Lieutenant Colonel Michael Aquino was identified at being at those places. At least one of the churches. So that's like, okay, you know, that could just be circumstantial or whatever. Let's take it a year later, right? Mm -hmm. November 1986, which is a little alarming because I was born November 1986. Oh, wow. Okay. So this is allegations emerged regarding sexual abuse being uh, perpetuated at U.S. Army Predesto Child Development Center in San Francisco. Within a year, at least 60 victims were identified, all between the ages of three and seven. Three and seven years old. Victims told of being taken to private homes to be abused, and at least three houses were positively identified, one of them being Aquino's. They also had described being urinated and defecated upon and being forced to ingest urine and feces. Irrefutable medical evidence documented the fact that these children were sexually abused, including five who had contracted chlamydia and many others who showed clear signs of anal and genital trauma consistent with violent penetration. Even before the abuse was exposed, the children were exhibited, exhibiting radical changes in behavior, including temper, outburst, sudden mood shifts, and poor impulse control. Both Lieutenant Colonel Michael Aquino and his Satanist wife, Lilith, which is an interesting name for a Satanist wife, right? were positively identified by victims at two of the, as two of the perpetrators. At least one victim was able to positively identify Aquino's home and describe with uncanny accuracy the distinctively Satanic interior of the house. Only one person was ever charged for the abuse of one child, and these charges were dismissed three months later. Okay, a couple things that, that immediately stick out. I, I guess I want to start back at the beginning for a minute. He's a lieutenant colonel, mm -hmm. which for people who are not familiar with the military ranking, uh, as a lieutenant colonel in the Army, he would be just underneath colonel and then underneath brigadier general. So he's like two ranks away from being a general. All right. That's pretty high up. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not like you're dealing with the lower part of the officer corps. He's moving to the upper echelon of the mid range, getting ready to hit the upper range. Okay. I don't think he started when he was lieutenant colonel. Right. You know, I think this happened 
prior to and has been behavior that he's been doing throughout the course of his military career, probably coming into the military as an officer. Okay. And moving his way up. Uh, secondly, you just, you heard about, you know, our listeners just heard about some of the horrific things that they were doing. Mm-hmm. But I think it's important to understand the mechanics to those things. Now, it's not just about sexual pleasure and using a, a child for that. The mechanics of mind control are such that if, if you can create trauma to an individual psyche of a sufficient nature, you can fracture the psyche so that they behave in abnormal fashion, abnormal ways, or in order to cope with a dramatically traumatic event, the psyche will generally fracture and create an alternative safe space. Okay. Right? Mm -hmm. If it fractures and creates an alternative, you can possibly manipulate that alternative. That can become what they call an alter personality. Okay. If you can manipulate the alter and the alter exists within the dominant personality, Mm -hmm. the dominant personality may not be aware of the, typically is not aware of the existence of the alter. Okay. So you almost get two people inside of one body. And if you can program that second person to do things that the first person doesn't know, and isn't aware of, you create an effective cover, like a cover agent or a cover identity for a sleeper agent. This is how you can weaponize it. Interesting. But you have to do things to, to fracture the psyche and each person is different. Like gross sexual trauma to one person may not produce the fracture that electroshock and sensory deprivation will to another. Okay. So you got to test it out to kind of figure out what's going to work on the person based on their psychological makeup. That's horrible. Oh, it's clearly, clearly satanic. Yeah. Submit these people to, to add to just perverse trauma and then take the, the mind's natural, uh, uh, uh what do I want to call that? Um, natural response mm-hmm. to that trauma and manipulate that to your ends. Yeah, that's bad. Absolutely gross. It is. Now, the the last thing that, that really sticks out to me is how, and this happens time and time again. This is how you know that you, you live in a corrupted, satanically oriented government. Okay. All of this went to the legal system, right? Mm-hmm. And you had eyewitness testimony. Yep. Of one of the victims that yep. could identify with uncanny accuracy, distinctively satanic interior of Aquino's house, right? Mm-hmm. Not he's not found guilty. No, only one person's charged, and that case is dismissed three months later. Right, sixty victims were identified as suffering satanic ritual abuse. Right, one person was charged for the abuse of one of those children, and fifty-nine children were dismissed unaddressed and no pursuit to find out. Yeah, who who abused them? That's horrible. Somebody might use this and say, well, if, if 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 stuff like this can happen under the watchful eyes of a of a loving God, I don't I don't believe he's that loving. I'm like, you better hope he's loving because you need someone to step in and right these wrongs because your government's not going to do it. Yeah. Somebody's got to bring justice to this. And this this is where and then you go back to Wikipedia and they're like, well, it's just a moral panic of unsubstantiated claims. These are the unsubstantiated claims. Sixty victims identified 
psychological abuse, physical abuse of what is it? Um, violent penetration and they're dismissed. Yeah. Those are the, some of the unsubstantiated claims that it's talking about. Satanic panic as a title is definitely a psyop to convince people that nothing like this actually happened in the eighties. Right. But the problem is if we fast forward to today, what are we dealing with? We're dealing with the same things, if not on a greater scale than what they were talking about. Human trafficking done by the elite. Like in our lifetime, there was an entire island dedicated to the trafficking and, and ritual abuse of children. You talking about Disney World? Well, is it an island? I ain't never been. I can't tell you. <laughs> I don't plan on going neither. <clears throat> I, I, I meant Epstein's Island. Oh, yes, yes, yes. But I, I have some numbers of today. So let's just say, hypothetically, if all of the allegations about elites and trafficking and ritual abuse and stuff were wrong in the 80s, I want to know how we got to these numbers today. Okay. Right? So according to uh, Ark of Hope today, we have 600,000 to 800,000 women, children, and men brought and sold across international borders every year and exploited for forced labor and commercial sex. So that's worldwide. Good God. 800,000. And that's just what's crossing international borders. They, they say that if you, if you include the ones that are trafficked within those borders, uh -huh. the number skyrockets, skyrockets to two to four million. Two to four Good million night. people. Yeah. It's ridiculous. It's thought that at least 50,000 people a year, mostly children, are trafficked into the United States for the purpose of sexual exploitation. You know, I wish they wouldn't use that, that word. What? Trafficked. I hate that they call it trafficked. Yeah, they should just call it slavery. Mm-hmm. Because we still think slavery doesn't exist like we abolished it. Right. And this right here is is a is a testament of the fact that, no, we didn't. It still goes on on a much larger scale. Yeah. And and tra the, the term trafficking makes it sound like I got to work late because of traffic. Uh, you know what I right, mean? Right, right. It's just thrown in as an everyday term that doesn't actually trigger an emotional response. But even at the smallest level, it means that America to this day has such an appetite that we're, we are importing 50,000 children for sexual abuse a year. Yeah. Into the Christian nation. Yeah. Into okay. the Christian nation. And then, like, so we have, I mentioned Epstein, but Ghislaine Maxwell. Mm -hmm. So it, we have all these law and order, special victims units, documentaries on how to make a murderer and, and all of this stuff. But somehow the information during the, the Maxwell trial would be too upsetting for the American public. So we don't know what information is there. That's not okay. Right. It all plays into this same stuff, the same group, the same groupings of people functioning in satanic occult practices that are enacting those on regular citizenry against their will, and it's being covered up by the government. Yeah. So that's why I say I think satanic panic was a psyop. That's why I think even the initiation of the, um, the Church of Satan was part of that. I would agree with you. And, and, and it still bothers me that this is still going on. 
and we can have allegation after allegation and we don't seem to take it serious enough that our leaders, the people that we quote unquote elect um, in many instances are practicing Satanists. Mm-hmm. They just don't wear the traditional costume, if you will, of a Satanist. Right. No, you're absolutely right. You know, you can hear repeated allegations of Bill Clinton going in and having, um, you know, sexual relations with women, but then there are allegations that come out that he might, he possibly may have had uh, sexual relations with children, underage women. Mm-hmm. When you see that he's friends with Epstein, yep. he didn't mind going on Lolita Express, you know, his private airplane. He didn't mind going to to the island and witnessing the things that happened on that. He didn't mind being in close proximity with somebody like Epstein, who, let's just be real, Epstein was not a kingpin. Nesting was at the bottom rung of a much larger pyramid. Right. Much larger. Mm -hmm. Just a, just a brick who spotlight got put on. Right. You know, but yeah, we, we laud these people. Yeah. You know, when, when president Obama is caught up in what could quite possibly be a, a, uh, uh, child pedophilia scandal, uh, with Pizzagate. Uh huh. And we just kind of like, we turn a blind eye. News will cover something else at 10. Right. And we just keep moving on because, hey, I, I like the way he talks and he's got a great smile. Mm-hmm. Now you really have to investigate these people and change your thinking. You do. Because they have an agenda to can to control your thinking. You oh, know, we've talked about that a lot. Yeah. When somebody like President Bush comes out and they're like, hey, are you a Christian? He's like, but by Christian, you mean born again. Yeah, I'm born again. And all the Christians are like, hey. Oh, yeah, love it, love it. He's a Christian. That's awesome. That's my president. Hey, man. And nobody stops and thinks, wait a minute. He's a member of Skull and Bone Society. Right. A secret satanic organization founded at Yale University. And one of the ritual practices that they have to go through for initiation is they have to go through a burial resurrection uh, ritual. They have to be, uh, it's called being born again. Right. Where they go lay in a coffin naked, they masturbate, and while doing that, they confess their most uh, heinous secrets to their fellow bonesmen. Mm-hmm. And after that process of confession and masturbation to fellow male uh, bonesmen, they come out of that coffin and are said to have been born again. Right. President Little Baby Jr. Bush went through this initiation, as did his father. Right. George Sr. And so when he gets on TV and says, I'm born again, and the church just foolishly goes along with it, understand, this is how they dupe you. Mm-hmm. They, uh, there's a quote by Manly P. Hall. I was trying to look for it earlier and couldn't find it, but basically he said that due to the influence of the church, the occult had to go underground. And in doing so, else they would have been destroyed by the church. Mm-hmm. And in doing so, they decided to uh, rebrand themselves and clothe their rituals and their phraseology with Christianese. And I'm paraphrasing it was right. with, with Christian uh, phraseology. Okay. So that they wouldn't be found out. Hence why a process as sick as what I just, just described that the Bushes went through, they call it being born again. That's crazy. So when Christians hear it, they immediately assume, Oh, He's professed his sins to Jesus Christ and has actually been he's actually been baptized. He's actually identified with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And he is a born-again believer. Oh, yeah, I gotta vote for him. Right, right. That's how they get over on the church. It's crazy. Because there's there's levels and they're intentional. So uh, 
just in case I'm, I might've missed it. I, I'd like to do the really explain the dynamics on how the satanic panic was a psyop, right? Okay. Specifically with, with the church of Satan. So we see, you know, like I said, downsizing of MK ultra church of Satan comes out. They actually shut down in 1973, but then realize that that shutting down MK ultra did not, um, squelch the, the rightful fear and concern that the, that the um, public interest. Yes. Okay. So they're still up in arms about, Hey, this stuff is happening. We need to be concerned about it. So then what they do is because after all, they're taking the public's children. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So they're calling it satanic. Right. Mm -hmm. And if you go all the way back to Jesus, when he's talking about the, um, Pharisees and Sadducees mm-hmm. and the fact that they say they're Jews, but are not, they're the synagogue of Satan, yes. right? Essentially calling them Satanist, right? You don't have to be part of an organized religion touting around the name of Satan to be considered satanic. Right. If it is like Satan would do, if that makes sense, if it's behavior or rituals that Satan would do, we can call it satanic because that's the root of it. Right. If it's, if it's akin to paganism and it has the pagan occult, uh, characteristics. Mm-hmm. It comes from the kingdom of darkness that Satan is over, and it is of the same spiritual DNA as the as the prince of darkness. Right. Absolutely. So here's the switcheroo. They have the Church of Satan step in, which they which they already put out, so it didn't look suspicious to where it came up. You know, just in the '80s or whatever. Mm. And they redirect, and they're like, "Oh, so you're concerned." About satanic ritual abuse, right? We've got an expert Satanist right here. Yeah. Who can talk to you about it and help squell any of your concerns. Right. Because Uh, here's the crazy thing. The Church of Satan is the first actual religion to be organized under the banner of Satan. Guess who they don't believe in? Satan. Satan. So if the Christian fundamentalist in the 1980s are concerned of sexual ritual abuse but not even the Satanists believe that Satan's real? Man, you you churchgoers have got to be crazy. This, you are out of your mind. Out of your mind. There's no way you. There's no way that you can believe in Satan more than Satanist. What? Right. You don't know what you were talking about. And since we are a scientifically based community, we need to talk to the Satanist expert. Yeah. The very person that claims to be a Satanist. I'm scared, excuse me, Mr. Satanist, hi, question for you. Does uh does Satan really do these type of things? Well, no. <laughs> I, I will have you know that we have a few tenets in which we believe, and one of those tenets is we do not harm children. Right. Okay, we actually just don't even believe in the, the pagan horned red cape wearing devil. Those are for the... Bass Ackwards Christians, the ones that <laughs> don't really read their Bible but look at TV a lot. They are the ones with the heads in the ground. In fact, we're not certain if they might not actually be doing this because they believe in a lot of really weird things. Like they believe in angels coming down and having sex with women. They believe in people dying and coming back to life. And they even believe in this thing called the afterlife. And if we want to know one thing about the Bible, it's full of two things. A lot of wine and a whole bunch of unbelievable things. <laughs> <laughs> but it it worked. That's why. The yeah, it was very effective. Yeah. Yeah. Having Christians even be, buy into it themselves that they're crazy. Yeah. I was like, you know what? I'll, if, hey, if they say, I, 
listen, I'm going to be flat out honest with you. I'm researching this stuff right alongside with you. Uh-huh. And I'm reading this and I'm like, this is flipping nuts. Yeah. And then I read some of the opposition's perspective. And they were like, okay, Christians have got this too. This has got this all wrong. We don't believe in harming children. I, I really took a step back for a minute. And I was like, did I overstep here? <laughs> like, okay, I mean, I know this is real, but am I a little too far, you know, my foot on the accelerator? Uh-huh. Maybe I'm misjudging the people here. I mean, we're also, I was also doing research for our other episode. It was talking about don't be judgmental. And I was like, maybe <laughs> I've been a little too aggressive here on the Satanists. That's interesting. Okay, like you got it's the Luciferian Satanists you got to watch for. They really are sold out. But these regular Satanists, I mean, they're not so bad, right? I actually met one while working for FedEx. Did you really? Yeah, worked over at Nifco. Okay. And every every night I would go to pick up and I would talk to him. He had on a Baphomet ring. He had the tattoos and all, and he was a Satanist. He found out I was a Christian, and I was like, "What are we gonna do now?" <laughs> I mean, you know, if you if you curse these packages, I'm gonna take them, but. It's going to come right back at you, bro. <laughs> is that this, what you said? Was, oh, we had a, like real good conversations and we got real cool with each other. That's cool. Like he That's had a cool. kid. He told me about his kid. I was like, you going to raise a kid as a Satanist? He was like, oh yeah, cool. I'm going to have three kids and raise them up as Christian. Yeah, yeah I'm going to have to because I'm going to have to deal with this. Right. And we would just talk back and forth. And he was a pretty decent dude. He kind of fit the caricature of a Satanist. Mm-hmm. But he he said the same thing. You know, we don't believe in child sacrifice. We don't believe in, in doing harm to people. All of a sudden, I was like, what are you saying this for? Oh, freedom of thought, this, that, and the other. And I was like, yeah, I mean, I ain't buying that, but okay. Right. But yeah, if, you, if you're not squared away, if you don't have a, you don't have a confidence in scripture, if you're a little shaky on that, or if you don't have a strong mental aptitude. Mm-hmm. To engage in this, you can be easily thrown off off the path and walk away thinking that maybe you're nuts. And the reality is that's a lie. You're not nuts. They are lying to you. Right. Absolutely. This is stuff that they do. Yeah. It's Even crazy. at the higher ranks, they may not do it at the lower ranks. Your average run-of-the-mill Nifco Satanist may not be involved in this. Right. But if you take this up to the higher ranks, they are involved in all sorts of of occult ritualistic practices, mm-hmm. despite the propaganda. Right. Yeah. So the reason we chose LeVay, because he's he's the front guy for this whole psyop that's conditioned the culture to this day. Like even progressive Christianity now goes, well, we don't know if Satan's real. We don't know if hell's real. Because of this idea that the Satanists don't even believe it. Mm-hmm. So that's why he is the snakehead for today, right? Right. So because Satanists don't believe in Satan, I thought we could spend some time going in to what Mr. LeVay says Satanists do believe. I think that would be an adequate use of of airtime resources. (laughs) All right. So uh, in the Satanic Bible, 1969, uh, LeVay printed the nine Satanic statements. Hold up. He actually authored the Satanic Bible. Yes. I think it's important for people to know. Okay. I didn't say that. Yeah. No, no. He he was the author of it. He was the author of the Satanic Bible. So... One, Satan represents indulgence instead of abstinence. So as you can see, as we go through here, it'll be juxtaposed against some particular idea. We might be able to get a picture of it by the end. Maybe a biblical one. Maybe, maybe. Uh, You know, let's see. Let's bury the lead a little bit. (laughs) So indulgence instead of abstinence. Satan represents vital existence instead of spiritual pipe dreams. Hmm. Satan represents undefiled wisdom instead of hypocritical self-deceit. Satan represents kindness to those who deserve it instead of love wasted on 
ingrates. <laughs> Satan represents vengeance instead of turning the other cheek. Satan represents responsibility to the responsible instead of concern for psychic vampires. That seemed oddly specific, and I really wasn't sure where to plug that one in. Oh, uh, yeah, that one kind of threw me. I was like, wait, what? Psychic vampires. Yeah. But as we but go I'm on- guessing it's kind of the idea that, I mean, not that this is directed towards Christianity, but probably the idea that the, that the Bible, uh, from their viewpoint, probably buys or, or uh, takes from older concepts or ideas. Okay. You know, from an archaeological perspective. I mean, we as Christians obviously know that's not true. Mm-hmm. But if you have this idea, let's say, of the life, you know, life, death, resurrection motif that's found in Babylon's found in Egypt with Horus, Osiris, and uh, Isis, mm-hmm. then when you come to Jesus Christ, people would be like, oh, well, they just, they bit that idea off of Egypt. Egypt had that way before. Uh, I gotcha. Okay. That makes sense. Anyway, going on. Satan represents man as just another animal, sometimes better, more often worse than those that walk on all fours, who, because of his, quote, divine, spiritual, and intellectual development, has become the most vicious animal of all. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. Becomes more vicious because of his divine, spiritual, intellectual development. Well, they put that in quotes. Right. They may have been tongue-in-cheek with that. Okay. (laughs) Satan represents all of the so-called sins as they all lead to physical, mental, or emotional gratification. So... You you mentioned before, and we'll hit it when we hit the um, the eleven satanic rules. But it says, "Don't harm children." Mm-hmm. I want to know how you resolve this cognitive dissonance. That as a satanist, Satan represents all all of the so called sins as they all lead to physical, mental, or emotional gratification, except for the ones that are directed at children. Yeah, because you're not supposed to harm them. I don't know. But what I couldn't get is if you're not supposed to harm children, but Satan represents indulgence instead of abstinence. If that's something you want to do, why can't you indulge in it? Right. Why would you abstain from it? I I don't see a reason why. It it doesn't make a lot of sense. So even though they make these claims, their belief system actually builds the framework for all of the stuff that we see anyway. It was a successful psyop, but should clearly be evident to anyone that's willing to do a little bit of step in. Mm -hmm. Lastly, we have Satan has been the best friend the church has ever had as he has kept it in business all of these years. I tell you what, I mean, that's that's ironically funny, Um, but I tell you what's interesting to me. Some of the occult symbolism and, and the numerology associated with the church of Satan. Okay. First, it's founded in 1966. 66 is a Masonic power number. It's 33 double. Okay. So it's not lost on me. 33 being the the principal number for representing a third of the angels that rebelled against God. Mm-hmm. It's like that mantra they love constantly putting up. So this doubles that. I'm like, all right, uh, you, you guys were founded in 1966. I get it. That's not accidental. And the book was published in 19, somewhere between 68 and 70. Right. And you know how they are <laughs> about their inverted sixes. Right. You know, so that's not lost on me either. And then we, we've got nine satanic statements, which is three to the third. Okay. Again, we're, we're, we're dealing with three being put out there. But let's add another layer to that. Okay. The Bible gives you how many commandments? Ten. And now here we go with satanic, and they give you how many? Nine. Hmm. Think that's accidental? No. 
Nah, me neither. Huh. All right. Just stuff that's interesting that sticks out. Okay. So we'll move on to the seven satanic rules of uh, the earth. No. How many? 11. Did I say seven? Yes. Weird. Oh, I was looking at 1967. My bad. Well, yeah, you got the 11 satanic rules, right? Right. 11 satanic rules. Do you know what 11 stands for in numerology? Um, is it the two pillars? Well, that would be in the Masonic rite. Okay. It would be the two pillars of, of Yaakum and, and Boaz. Um, I thought it was Yahin. Boaz and Yahin. Okay. Whatever it is, it's pronounced weird. Well, because it's, it's Boaz and, and, and Joktan in ancient Hebrew. It's okay. It's Boaz and Yahin for the Masonic. For the Masons? I believe. Okay, man. I, I love your mind, man. <laughs> God, that's dope. Um, but but eleven is a is a number of of destruction. Oh, like the eleventh hour. That's like the last thing you can do before something is destroyed. We okay. went through this whole long thing with nine eleven and the the occult symbolism that's in, contained in that with with eleven. Mm-hmm. But notice it's just under twelve. Twelve is the number of divine order, divine government. Oh, okay. So the twelve tribes of Israel. There's a reason that there are twelve and not eleven. Right. And some would argue there are thirteen, which you get into when one's left out. But you still basically get back to twelve, right? Because that that that's what he's established. So it's not lost on me that you would do eleven here. I would have expected either eleven or thirteen. Okay, well we have eleven. Spot on for for the <laughs> fingerprint of the occult, right? So we have uh, do not give opinions or advice unless you are asked. So some of these actually seem kind of benign. Decent. Yeah, uh, do not tell your troubles to others unless you are sure they want to hear them. Please. Right. No, I'm just kidding. When in another's lair, show him respect or else do not go there. If a guest in your lair annoys you, treat him cruelly and without mercy. So you're supposed to treat someone cruelly and without mercy just because they're annoying? That things are escalating kind of quickly. No, because our and and our the fourth of our satanic statements, we remember said Satan represents kindness to those who deserve it instead of love wasted on ingrates. Okay. So, I mean, is the, they are ingrate because they're annoying you? Yeah, they must be. They don't deserve it. Oh, okay. I was just wondering. Do not make sexual advances unless you are given the mating sign. I so badly <laughs> just want to know what is the mating sign. Yeah. Because the thing that pops up in my head is that TikTok video. Look forward. Bow your face. Lower your jaw. Now make the mating sound. What? <laughs> you never seen, seen that, that video? No. Oh, it is hilarious. That's funny. They're like, this is now your sexy model face. <laughs> and somebody's like, bro. <laughs> I was funny. like, is, 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 is that the mating signal? I'm, <laughs> I'm just curious. Well, it makes me wonder if their mating signal is breathing. Could be. Because, I mean, anybody <laughs> that's alive. No, it's a Satanist. You could be dead. Necromancy is not off the table. Oh, that's fair. That's fair. But it's it's these types of the the you know you don't even make sexual advances unless you're given the signal. It's these tenets that were used to discredit the claims against Satan himself by using this as the front and Levee as the front man. Right. Do not take that which does not belong to you unless it is a burden to the other person and he cries out to be relieved. I, I was dying when I read that one. <laughs> okay. Because there's a lot of stuff I can, oh, that's definitely, that Maserati is a burden to you. I, <laughs> I can definitely tell. Now, the cries out to be relieved, I wasn't sure how, how I would do that. Maybe you just twist her finger or whatever. Right. But I was like, oh, that that's easy. That's funny. 
Acknowledge the power of magic if you have employed it successfully to obtain your desires. If you deny the power of magic after having called upon it with success, you will lose all you have obtained. Okay. So he was very much a magic practitioner. He practiced magic. He casted spells. He had sex orgies and that type of thing. But under these tenets, it was supposed to be only people that wanted Right. To do that. Right. So he had to be just dirty enough to be labeled a Satanist, but just clean enough to discredit the Christians in the 80s. Kind of interesting fine line that he's got to walk here. Yeah. It seems intentionally walked. Yeah. 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 Do not complain about anything to which you need not subject yourself. Do not harm little children. Oh, there it is. Right. Uh, there's, there is no Satan because we said we don't harm children. You're crazy. Or at least whatever you're talking about is not, it's not necessarily there is no Satan, but what you're talking about was, was not satanic ritual abuse. Right. Yeah. It's got to I mean, be some something crazy else. person. Yeah. This has nothing to do with Satanism or, yeah. or Satan himself. Cause, cause first he doesn't exist. And secondly, Satanism, we, we don't support the harm of children. Right. Right. Now little grown adults, I'm not sure. But not children. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. Do not kill non-human animals unless you're attacked or for your food. So that's to discredit animal sacrifice. Right. When walking in open territory, bother no one. If someone bothers you, ask him to stop. If he does not stop, destroy him. Interesting. That, yeah. That got pretty aggressive pretty quick. It did. It goes from like, you know what? Don't tell people, you know, don't give them advice so they don't want it. Don't tell them your troubles. But hey, if he doesn't stop bothering you, destroy him. They're crazy. Yeah. Crazy. So one thing that I've seen people get confused is the satanic temple in the church of Satan. Yes, that is easy to do. If, you, if you're not familiar with either one of these organizations, you don't realize that they are separate in, you know, organizations. You hear it, the satanic church or the satanic temple, you'd immediately assume that they're the same thing. Right. So they're... They're different in the fact that I think the satanic temple is moving away from the the magic rituals and stuff. So it's even further um, diluting the idea that that Satan is evil, right? So we go here. I have I have a couple uh, lists that has the the ideas of each one juxtaposed to one another. I think so, it's important to just tell people ju just for, the, for their sake. The Satanic Temple was established by a man by the name of Lucius Greaves in, in 2013. Okay. And he changed his name because that wasn't his real name. No more than Anton LaVey is actually his real name either. Okay. Yeah, they, they both changed their names. But you may see uh, Lucius Greaves on the internet or television or whatever because uh, he looks like a Satanist the way we would expect. He's got like a... Uh, a glass eye, I think, or, or a blinded out eye and some scars and looks like somebody that would be into some, some sinister seedy things in the underworld. Mm -hmm. um, but it actually seems to be a very intelligent person like Anton, Anton was. Right. Um, and I would agree with you. They seem to be more focused on establishing a foothold politically wherever Christianity has one mm -hmm. as a counter movement. Right. So if Christianity has a display, they want to display. Mm -hmm. If Christianity is being uh, used as the foundation for an after-school program, they want their after-school program. So I'm not even sure if it's so much about pushing Satanism as it is trying to 
push an alternative Christianity. Yet they, for whatever reason, chose to identify themselves under the the banner of Satan. Right. Well, I was saying that I think it's it's that because if we recognize that the satanic panic use the Church of Satan and Anton LaVey as a front for a PSYOP Mm -hmm. that says, look, Satan's not real. All the satanic abuse isn't real either. Mm -hmm. I think the next logical step is the satanic temple because they don't believe in magic. They don't do rituals. Yeah, I wasn't disagreeing with you. Okay, okay. My bad. I misunderstood what you were saying. No, it's it's cool. I was just, uh, essentially what I was saying is um, the way that they're they're pushed, the way that they conduct themselves, their, their PR, their public image mm-hmm. is such that um, we want to be wherever Christianity is. Mm-hmm. And then when you okay. start talking to them, it's not so much that we even really believe in Satanism. It's freedom of expression right. and free speech. And if they don't have all the freedoms of Christianity, then there's... They're being persecuted and, and we want to get all of that. So we also want to shock people because if they're accepting Christian iconography and Christian symbolism, then we want them to be equally as accepting of the opposite. So if you're going to put the Ten Commandments up, then I want a, a statue of Baphomet right next to it. Right. I'm like, right. but it's kind of curious that you I mean, you could have chose anything. You chose, not you, but they, they chose acutely satanic symbolisms and labeling to identify their organization. Right. I don't think it's as benign as they're trying to make it seem. No, I would agree. Okay. I would agree. So I'll go down these lists. Founding dates, Satanic Temple, 2013, Church of Satan, 1966. The Satanic Temple is a 501c3 organization. Like many regular Christian churches, the Church of Satan is not. Okay. Uh, They claim to be taken seriously by religious scholars as a manifestation of modern Satanism. Both of them is one thing they have in common. They also have in common that neither one of them, Church of Satan or Temple of Satan, believe in actual Satan. The Temple of Satan does not believe in magic. The Church of Satan does. The Temple of Satan claims to have a vast literary canon when the Church of Satan only goes off of the writings of Anton LaVey. Mm. So their core political view uh, by Lucian Graves, he says for the um, Temple of Satan, says they're a non-theistic movement aligned with liberty, equality, and rationalism. Anton LaVey says they're just Ayn Rand's, not Iran. <laughs> I learned that from a previous episode. <laughs> I and Rand's philosophy with ceremony and ritual adapted, which is interesting that that is his particular political view because we know that Crowley was also influenced by the writings of Ayn Rand. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, just more, more connection. It, it's a small world. The Satanic Temple says that they fight secularism, they defend reproductive rights, they have a physical headquarters, they have local chapters, and they're actively growing. Just a correction, the Satanic Temple says they fight for secularism. What did I say? That they fight secularism. Oh, my bad. They fight for secularism, yes. And they hold regular events and meetings. None of those things are necessarily said to to be a part of the Church of Satan. Um, They're in the news talking about Satanism. Yes, both of them. Uh, The Satanic Temple is in the news for their... Uh, civil liberties campaigns, legislation, public events, like you said, after school programs, things like that. The mm. Church of Satan doesn't seem to care to be that politically active. Okay. Both of them accept donations. The uh, Temple of Satan or the Satanic Temple, their membership cost is zero fees, but a $25 uh, one-time, whatever, for a membership card. 
Uh, membership fees for the Church of Satan is $250. But anybody can be a member of the Church of Satan for 250 bucks. Awesome. <laughs> the um, Satanic Temple boasts the Baphomet uh, Monument. They do have the after-school clubs. And uh, they're actually, there was a, a documentary about the Temple of Satan released in 2019, I believe. Okay. You're talking about the one, Hail Satan? I think so. Yeah, I watched that. Did you? I did. And that focuses more on the Satanic Temple and not the Church of Satan, right? Correct. Okay. So that, that's the two ideas. Coincidentally, the, uh, the, the image that we use on our website for satanic mind control is from the satanic temple. The it's, from, it's from that movie. Hell Satan. Oh, okay. It was like uh, one of their uh, movie posters. And I was like, Oh, this is perfect. This, this conveys the thought. Okay. But yeah, it's taken from that, that film. Interesting. Interesting. So yeah, the church of Satan, they claim to not do the, the child molestation and all of that, but they did have a lot of um, magic rituals and things. Which, if that's all they were, I think it would be cause for concern. Mm -hmm. So I think we've, we're definitely way past thinking that that's it, but that would be enough. And we know that Anton has strong opposition to the Bible. You know, as we went through the, the, uh, the rules and the statements of, of Satanism seem to be directly juxtaposed to the Bible. We mm. do this instead of what the Bible says. Right. There's even a quote that says uh, from Anton, it has been said the truth will make men free which is a quote from the Bible it says the truth alone has never made anyone free. It is only doubt, which will bring mental emancipation. Weird. Sounds stupid. You think so? <laughs> yeah. It's only doubt, which will bring mental emancipation. Yeah. Mental, mental freedom. I don't see from constantly doubting. Now doubting can lead to some healthy inquiry, but that's not what it said. It said it's only doubt. Okay. So it's not research. It's not delineating truth, which you would have to. You know, if you're going to have an inquiry, you're like, hey, I'm not sure if this actually exists, right? Okay. The I'm not sure does not lead to mental freedom. This is Finding true. out whether or not it does exist is what leads to that freedom, which means you have to find out the truth. If his statement is true, and we should be holding it, I mean, that's what he would want. He would want somebody to hold it as true, right? Uh-huh. Well, then you're not doubting it. You're holding it as true. And that should bring the mental freedom and clarity that truth brings. See, that's why you're here. <laughs> I have no idea. I, I, I don't get it. You have a great way of pointing out the, the logical Listen, deficits. I, told you, and, I didn't have much to add in this episode. I okay? know. I know. I was like two or three little things. That's all I got. But this is a self-refuting claim right here. It, it's logically inconsistent. And it, it bothers me that a person like LeVay mm -hmm. would just spout this out. He's supposed to be fairly educated. So I've got to imagine either he, he's got to know that that's inconsistent. What would make more sense to me is your theory of him being mind control. That's what I'm thinking. So and I, maybe I, this is the altar. Right. Because there seems to be like as smart as he was and he's in that position, charismatic out in front, but there just seems to be something missing. And it's, it's so suspicious. Yeah. Yeah. So, I could see that. So I have some other reasons on why I think he, he might be uh mind controlled. So they, I believe the government had uh, means, opportunity, and motive, you know, especially if they wanted to use him as the front man of the satanic panic. Mm -hmm. But his perversion seemed to start young, which could just be, I mean, some people are born perverted, but the, these types of, of, of character shifts and, 
embedded perversion tend to uh, stem from MK Ultra programming, right? Mm-hmm. So he claims that he actually realized his sexuality at about five years old. Right. <laughs> at a birthday party. So this little girl, for whatever reason, invites him upstairs. It just seems weird. Now, I don't, I'm, I'm, I'm going to, I'm just going to say this. I could be wrong. It could be thin. I don't even know if you agree with me, Jason. These almost seem like to me implanted memories. That I hadn't thought about that. As they cultivated his personality to do what they needed him to do, they implanted these very specific things that changed and, and altered his sexual preference. Interesting. So this is what I think. Because he claims at five years old, a young girl at a birthday party, for some random reason, unbeknownst to anyone, invited him upstairs alone. But when they got caught, a parent walked in, the little girl peed herself, and instantly he's like, oh, I am into that baby. Woo! That seems really weird. I mean, it could just be that circumstance. It just... That seems weird if you're five. That seems weird if you're 35. It, yeah. But this... This... Uh, I'm not sure what the, the term is for it. Um, but, be, but to like being peed on or whatever... Oh, I didn't know there was a term. It is. You're talking like, about the golden shower? Yeah. Okay. I don't know why I should is, know that. I want to say, for whatever reason, I have this this idea embedded in my brain that it's like Ishaishka, maybe? Oh, I've never heard that. I'm I don't know. I'm just familiar know. with the R. Kelly version. Okay. Yeah. So he was really sexually turned on by being urinated on. So it's a, a fetish that continued through his whole life that started apparently when he was four. But he even had a sex doll that he called the whore who he had displayed laying in a pool of her own urine. That's gross. It is. His bathroom had a sign that said, smile, you're on camera. Which, I mean, it could have just been a sign, but let's, let's be real. Look at who we're dealing with. Yeah, that sounds like some old Epstein type stuff. Right. So he also said in college uh, that he witnessed two girls fighting. And in the midst of this fight, her thigh got exposed. One of the, the girl's thighs got exposed. All right. And it was this uh, blonde hair and pale skin. And he was like, oh, this is my particular type of woman. Blonde hair, pale skin, open thigh. Right. So if this, if my assertions are right, and this was another implanted memory, it would make sense because MK Ultra came from Nazi occultism and they would have conditioned him to want to be attracted to the Aryan type of woman. Right. Okay. I'm following you. And this explains his attraction to Marilyn Monroe and James, James Mansfield. <clears throat> Some say Marilyn Monroe was the first beta kitten, which would be like the. Um, yeah, I've heard that term before, but I don't know what it is. So like, are we talking like a beta sex kitten? Um, what I believe it is, and I haven't done extensive research here, okay. but my understanding of it is that <clears throat> MK Ultra did a lot of these experiments, right? Mm-hmm. and trying to build altars and, and develop alternate personalities and all of that. Well, how do you test them if you can't put them out in the field, right? Okay. So you do the little bit of testing, but then like you've got to have a real world experience to see if you're, if the technology is holding up. So what I believe when they say that uh, Marilyn Monroe was the first beta kitten, it would have been the first successful brainwashing incident with a woman that they put back into the real world to see if their brainwashing held up. <clears throat> Does that make sense? Yeah. I just actually uh, did a quick search uh, 
on that term. Okay. Um, and what came up was actually interesting. Uh, apparently, it's an outworking of Project Monarch. Okay. You know, sex kit and beta programming. And in beta, beta programming, uh, beta is referred to as, quote, uh, sexual programming of slaves. The program eliminates all learned and moral convictions and stimulates the primitive instinct devoid of inhibitions. The cat uh, alters may come up out of this level, known as kitten programming. And it's the most visible kind of programming as some female celebrities, models, actresses, and singers have been subjected to this kind of programming. In popular culture, clothing with feline prints often denotes kitten programming. Beta is the second Greek letter as well, and it represents the sexual models and sexual alters that the programs programmers are creating. The primitive part of the brain is involved in this type of programming. An early sexual abuse event will be used to anchor this programming. These sexual slaves will develop sexual abilities that are far beyond what the public is aware is even possible. They also receive the worst kind of abuse far beyond what most people's imaginations can picture. Beta alters generally see themselves as cats. Interesting. And this is taken from a website called Hollywood's Subliminals uh, dot WordPress dot com. Okay. So, you know, take it for what you want, but they do have a picture of Purrs by by Katy Perry where she is in a sexually suggestive pose wearing uh, leopard print and a, a cat uniform. Interesting. This is a form of uh, beta sex kitten programming. Um, okay. Even also the fragrance that she offers also apparently taps into that. Crazy what you can find on the internet. Yeah. But Marilyn Monroe is said to be the first beta kitten. And he, he claimed to have, to have been engaged with her as well. But the um the weird weird subculture like outcast type of of living actually we have to we have to go back to to Anton Lavey and a young man. Okay. Are you done with the beta kitten, or did you want some, did you want to add something else? I got to send you this this whole thing. I mean, well, I'm sure we're going to talk about it afterwards. Okay. But what's crazy is just basically how often leopard print shows up. It showed up. And, and and not just that it shows up, but for females. Okay. And it's kind of that thing if you want to be sexy and feline. Right. You know, use use this this type of print. And I'm going through and I'm looking at all of these various celebrities. You know, Christina Applegate, uh looks like um Kim Basinger, uh shoot, I don't know her name. Uh, Jennifer Aniston, Pamela Lee. Like uh, quite a good host of, of people. Interesting. That are all showed up in various forms of leopard print or cat-like print in, in their dresses. And I'm not even saying that the dress is sexually provocative. Mm -hmm. Just the fact that, you know, feminine print on, on females, especially celebrities, that is supposed to indicate that they have been uh, programmed. Okay. And it's supposed to subliminally program others that I, I guess are, are looking at this. Interesting. It's crazy. Yeah. To see, see this all the way out. And then, whoa, 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 whoa. I wasn't even expecting this. They move on to the males and they show the males in leopard print, like Kevin Hart, Kanye West, Jada Smith. Wow. You know, a various print at various times with, uh, with that. Pro oh, that's your boy. Oh, they done got Mikey. <laughs> they done got Mike J. Ah. Uh, I thought the last episode was gonna make me mad. <laughs> now this one, and they got Bruno Mars. They got Bruno. Yeah, I forget who he is. 
I'm not sure. I'm going to have to put a link to this in, in the show notes. All right. Yeah, we'll definitely uh, do for that. For people. I, listen, guys, I can't vouch for all the information that's on this site. This was just a quick look up. But if you are, are interested in maybe what we saw and what we were reading from, mm-hmm. we'll include this link. You know, you look at it at your own your own risk. Like I said, I can't vouch for everything that's on the site. I haven't vetted it. Right, right. But I mentioned how they had the ability or they had what would have been access to Anton LaVey. Mm-hmm. And I think because he actually dropped out of high school to join the circus. Okay. Which that's weird. seems comical to me. Like it doesn't even sound real. Yeah, that seems a little bit odd. Right. Drops out of high school, joins the circus. He was actually a musician. He, I think he even has like some albums dedicated to Satan that are out. Okay. Um, but there wasn't a lot of money in the circus. So what he would do is he would pick up side gigs playing for the music and bars. But another thing that happened, I didn't realize at this time, is that when the circus wasn't actively using the tents, mm-hmm. right? So it's a, it's a big to-do to put up these giant tents for a traveling circus show. Yeah, so I'm guessing if you want to make money, you probably rent them out. You rent them out, right. So evangelicals will have like revivals or oh, whatever. like their tent meetings. Right. Okay. Well, Anton's trying to pick up side gigs to make money. He's like, cool, whatever. I'll play in these these outdoor circus tent church meetings. Like as a musician? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. So they have this dude playing music for their praise and worship setting. And they're not spiritually sensitive enough to pick up on really who he is, which has to then discredit your whole, you know, your religion. Right. But apparently what this, this did is he witnessed the same people in the evangelical church services mm-hmm. in the bar behaving completely different. Okay. Right. Yeah. So this is where he sees the hypocrisy in the church. We just talked about this in another episode. Right. Right. Uh, recently. So it's interesting to me that he sees people behaving poorly and, and what this does is it, um, uh, I mean, I mean, I guess it makes sense. But instead of looking at the the actual documentation of the of the church or what Christianity really is, he just assumes because they're being hypocrites that he hates this this institution altogether. We got to add this layer to it just so people are under, able to understand. Uh, Fritz Sprickmeyer actually talked about one of the things that's effective and not just programming, but in placing programmed people that are actually part of the occult mm-hmm. and are actual Satanists, placing them in effective positions. It's not just government. That you would want to place them in. You want to put the them in churches. most effective places. Place them exactly in religious institutions. Place them in the church and actually program them so that they have altars. They have different personalities. They're able to get up there and preach and do all of that, and they can have a completely altered satanic personality that's embedded underneath that. That is activated. Here's the sinister thing: activated with spe- specific Christian phrases. Okay with what we like to call Christianese. Right. So those terms actually trigger altars or whatever? Yeah. And Sprigmeyer also says that we've all been brainwashed on some level, so when we hear certain phrases, it might shut down our ability to comprehend what's being said. Right. Which is crazy. Super, super crazy stuff. But, I mean, they've been experimenting on us for a long time. And who was it that said that our disinformation campaign will be complete when everything the American public believes is a lie? I want to say it was the, uh, uh, was the CIA director, William Casey. Casey, yeah, yeah. So this this, this stuff is crazy. Um, But a lot of what happened in, in, in Anton's life really isn't substantiated. 
So there's lots of claims, right? Okay. Um, he claimed to slept around with Marilyn Monroe. We don't know. He said that he worked for San Francisco Police Department as a psychic. Nobody is is claiming that, which was actually a popular thing in those days. But mm-hmm. I can I can see if it did happen that a police department's not going to want to own up to it. You know, after the fact. It's interesting because now it's kind of popular now. Is it repopularized? Like, yeah. I mean, it was something that I think they were doing. Um, there was like a t- couple TV shows about that. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. It, it seems interesting. So some of these things could be like genuine. They just don't have the, the hard evidence for it. Or it could just be more implanted memories. Okay. Because one of the things that happened is that he said that he was a crime scene photographer. And as he would go to these crime scenes and he would take pictures, it exposed him to the evils of humanity. And this made him not lose faith in humanity, which would be the logical takeaway. Mm -hmm. But he actually loses faith in God because of the things that he sees humanity do. There's a lot of people that claim that. Yeah, but it it, it doesn't, I don't know. It doesn't make sense to me. Oh, no, I get it. So it's weird. Uh, a couple other things that he he was said to have frequently taught um, classes, like open form classes. And one of the things that he taught was Aleister Crowley. So he was connected to Crowley. Okay. You know, so he's connected to Crowley. Crowley's connected to Ayn Rand. Like all of these people are connected. All of the snakeheads that have formed a religion and altered our culture are connected. And whether or not they waved the banner of Satanism, the root of all of it is satanic. Absolutely. And the, and the threat of child trafficking and satanic ritual abuse is real. And it's enormous. It is. But in, in closing, I do have this, this tidbit of, of interesting information that's a little bit disturbing. Okay. So uh, I want to talk about what happened between Anton LaVey and Jane Mansfield. Okay. So at the height of of uh, Anton's fame, it said that he had a sexual relationship with Jane Mansfield. So LeVay and um, Mansfield had a sexual relationship and not just sexual, like they, she wanted to also participate in the sex rituals and, and things like that. Okay. For those that don't know, Jane Mansfield was a like Marilyn Monroe lookalike. Mm-hmm. You know, so if they couldn't get Marilyn Monroe for a part or whatever, they'd go to Jane Mansfield. Me being a truck driver, she kind of has some significance to my industry. She does. She does. But we'll, we'll get there in just a second. Gotcha. Gotcha. So she's also the mother of uh, Mariska Hargitay, who was the, the lead actress in Law and Order Special Victims Unit. Okay. Interesting, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So LaVey and uh, Mansfield, they had this relationship going on, but then... Mansfield wanted to divorce her husband. So this is a... Because of her... her, Is this an affair? You said they had a relationship, but is this an affair? Yes. Okay. Yes, and it's really confusing. So she's married. All right. And sleeping with Anton LaVey. Okay. And, I mean, there's even pictures of them together doing rituals. If we can can find some, maybe we'll post those on Instagram. Sure, those won't be inappropriate. No, they're not. They're creepy, but they're not inappropriate. Like, it's not in the middle of sex rituals. Gotcha. Um... So it's said that uh, Mansfield wanted to divorce her husband and she ends up hooking up with a dude named Samuel Brody who ends up being her divorce attorney and, okay. and boyfriend. So I don't know if that was like part of the gig, you know, if you help me get through this divorce, maybe we can be together or whatever. But he, 
he was either abusive or just she didn't know how to get out of it. I'm, I'm not sure the dynamics. There. It's really weird. So she's sleeping with Brody. She's sleeping or probably not sleeping with her husband who she's divorcing and sleeping with Anton LaVey. Okay. But then what happens is she wants to get out of her relationship with her husband and Brody. So she goes to Anton LaVey and she goes, hey, I want you to curse Samuel Brody to death. I don't want to have to deal with him. I don't know how to get out of this. I don't know if there was some guilt you know, or he was holding over the the legal liabilities or whatever, the divorce, I'm not sure. But she was like, I need you to curse Samuel Brody to death. All right. So, so Anton LaVey does this. And then she gets in the car with him, with her three children in the back seat. Makes that no sounds stupid. Yeah, that sounds really, I, I need you to curse this guy to death, but I'm just going to keep, keep rolling with him, right? Let's, let's put it in today's terms. I need you to, to do a drone strike. <laughs> on 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 Brody, right? Or he's probably going to be in a black Mercedes, mm-hmm. and he's going to be leaving here about three o'clock. Dang, I ain't got, I ain't got no Uber, no Lyft. I mean, what time is it, Brody? It's two two fifty. Hey, can you take me up to Chick Fil A, please? <laughs> yeah, seems smart, doesn't it? It's so stupid. Yeah. So they're in the car, they're driving, they get in a hugely tragic accident with a semi trailer and just mutilates. Uh, Brody and Mansfield. Gruesome, gruesome. With Mariska Hargitay in the back seat, she was in the car accident that killed her mother because of Black Magic by Anton LaVey and ends up starring in a show, Special Victims Unit. Fascinating. Yes. Fascinating. But you've heard of rear underrun protection, right? Have you heard of that? Not the term. Okay. Rear impact guards? Yes. Okay. So those like on a trailer on a trailer. Yeah. Oh Yeah. We got to check for those. Those are mandated. Right. By uh department of transportation. Yep. They absolutely are. But they were only mandated after this accident. This is the thing that caused it. This is the thing. It was so gruesome that after this, they said, well, if you build trailers, you have to put what they call uh, the rear underrun protection or the impact guards. That's crazy. Yeah. So maybe, maybe the next time or every time you look at these rear impact guards, you can recognize the actual danger of the occult and Satanism that spills into the streets and legislation and semi-trailers in the world today. It's all connected. Look at the occult making the world a safer <laughs> place for all of us. Yeah. I don't know Not the proper that. takeaway? <laughs> no. <laughs> so just as lasagna is made with a bunch of different ingredients, right? You got the sauce, you got the cheese, you got the meat, and it all comes together. I'm getting hungry, man. I know. I am too. I actually have leftover lasagna that I'm going to smash as soon as we're done with this episode. No, 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 you don't. Not anymore. No, no, no. That's coming with me. (laughs) Yeah, but you, you put it all together and it makes a beautiful dish. Or in this case, you take the Blavatsky's, you take the Bailey's, you take the LeVay's, you take the Crowley's, you put all the ingredients together and you end up having this new occult order that has pervaded our society on, on all levels. You know what, dude, dude, you're, you're absolutely right. And I tell you, here's a couple things about Anton that I found fascinating, right? We were talking before this episode and you were, you were saying how you want to know a little bit more about maybe his death, how his life pretty much wound, you know, wound down. Uh-huh. And I don't know much about 
that. But one of the things I found most interesting was the fact that it's reported that his last words were, oh, my God, what have I done? Oh, wow. And then he died. That's crazy. Now, his daughter refutes that, says that never happened, what have you. I don't know if we could trust that because I'm on the fence when it comes to his daughter. Now, he's got two daughters, right? Okay. One of them, the the, the rumor is, and I'm saying it that way because you got to do your own research. The rumor is, two, there, there's two of them. One, that Zena LaVey. Mm-hmm is the mother of Taylor Swift. Yes. Oh, there's so much information I forgot to mention. Yeah, yeah. That That's one thing. And they do bear a... A, a striking resemblance. A striking resemblance. That, that's not the smoking gun. Right. But it's enough to make me go, there may be some 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 plausible sufficiency here to make me think that this is, this is, this is a, a real thing. The second theory is the idea that Taylor Swift is actually the clone of Zena LaVey. Really? Now, both of them seem very interesting. Interesting right. to me. They're, they're, they're conjectures. You know, if we talk about clones, I can see people going, oh, please, there's no way. We're not cloning people. Mm-hmm. Slow your roll there, playboy uh, or playgirl. Listen, <laughs> there we already know that the technology exists where we have cloned livestock Mm -hmm. and there have been numerous reports that we actually live in a world where the people we see and think are the actual person are clones of that individual Mm -hmm. numerous reports right a lot of celebrities we know that they have been cloned yeah dude is is it true i i I don't know is it possible if you can clone a sheep i i think that we might be and this was back in the 90s and this is what was publicly admitted to Right. Whatever the public knows, we are 30 to, what is it, 30, 50 years behind what, what the technology actually is. Right. Yeah. So if they're disclosing that they can clone sheep, you need to you need to calculate in your head what would 50 years of advanced technology actually be able to do. Right. And that is more more than likely what they are doing in secret government institutions and, and underground bases. Right. I mean, similar to dodgeball, you know, if you can die, if you can, if you can clone a sheep, you can clone a human. If you can dodge a wrench, you can dodge a ball. What? <laughs> he, he couldn't dodge the wrench, but it, you know what I mean? Uh-huh. It, it leads to, for me, there is a measure of plausibility to that. You know, it would have to be investigated further, but the fact that they look so similar, uh, it's got me wondering. Yeah. You know, then then there was a, from what I understand, there was a another photo that was taken of a girl who looked just like Taylor Swift, and her name was Becky. Interesting. And she apparently, I believe, overdosed at a party. Of course she did. And died. Mm-hmm. So Taylor Swift took another Twitter photo, and on the photo it said, uh, I, I believe it said, I'm Becky or I'm not Becky, one, one of the two. Really? Yeah. Wow. That's crazy. Either way, it was like she was in on it. Now, some people said that she was in on the joke. Other people have said, no, that's just her admitting that she's the the master clone. Okay. Now, I, well, I don't in, know. In one of her favorite concerts, I mean, this uh, that my wife actually likes uh, was centered around giant golden serpents in the center of the stage. Yeah, that's not accidental. I that, don't think so. No. That, that That's a cult <clears throat> some, some symbolism. 
Right. Wow. I need some of that lasagna. Yeah. Mushroom getting a little low. You know, but that's a cold symbol. Wow. <laughs> that is a cult symbolism that is being used. Right. Absolutely. In order to actually condition the minds of viewers, mm -hmm. which would make me think it's probably a ritual that's that's being displayed there. Nope, I would agree. You know, but this stuff gets really deep and really interesting really quick. It does. But there's an active campaign to disguise and hide the information, like the satanic panic, like other psyops that we've gone into, which is why it's important to sift through the information that's available to us in order to find meaning and the connections to things. Because if we're not able to do this, all you're going to end up hearing is this. And that ain't what you want to hear. Uh-uh. No, you, you got to be able to look at this issue that we've been dealing with for the last three weeks head on. And that's this this question. Are the governments and societies of the world truly plotting their own course through history? Or are they following ancient architectural plans laid down by a hidden hand long ago? In other words, are the governments and societies of the world free and independent to chart their own course through history? Or are they secretly being controlled and manipulated from without and from within by occult forces? To me, the answer is clear. Governments are controlled and manipulated and in on the game of trying to partner with the occult in order to gain technological and technical advantage. It is how they try to obtain superiority. Is what you see in Operation Paperclip. This is what you see that the Nazis were doing with the SS. Why that they why that the political party was the outpouring of the Thule Society, a secret occult organization. It's why the CIA is built off of the Thule Society, or, or not the Thule Society. Why the CIA is built off of uh, the SS. It's why our government would sanction the importation illegally in many cases of thousands of war criminals from the Nazi army and the Nazi regime and give them alternative identities and places of employment because they could provide uh, services that would give the United States a technological advantage over its enemies, right? It's the reason that you see people not being prosecuted even when they have eyewitness testimony of crimes. Right. It's because our government is in bed with Satanism because, of course, our government, as is noted in the public record and Congress, was dedicated to all pagan gods. Right. That's why we have, we have Baal's penis sitting erect in the <laughs> middle of Columbia's district. Yes. It is not accidental. No. We are a nation dedicated to all pagan gods, period. We were supposed to be the new Atlantis, according to Kevin Bacon. This is a land that is steeped in occult mysticism. Before the Europeans got over here to take over this land, they have. it's already been noted that giants had moved into this territory and taken over. The Native Americans talk about it. I don't care whether you're talking about Quetzalcoatl. I don't care if you're talking about some of the, uh, the the Thunderbirds. I don't care if you're talking about some of the other ancient Mesoamerican deities. We see this serpent worship all over the globe. Why? Because you're dealing with the synagogue of Satan, the brotherhood of the snake. 
All of these ancient pagan organizations all across the globe all have their root in defiance of God Almighty and worship of Satan. That is what we see. So the answer, hell no, these governments are not charting their own course. (laughs) They are part of the occult organization. They are. We have to understand that the, the government is not here to espouse Christianity. It is here to replace and eliminate Christianity. Right. It is that is its sole purpose in order to promote paganism. Because Christianity throughout the eons has been the only significant stopping force of the occult. And so if the occult is going to take back over, we have to get rid of Christianity. No, I think you're absolutely right. Which is why we have to stand up and speak out against this stuff. Absolutely right. You know, that our con- our country is is under attack. And one of the methods of the Satanism of the satanic rhetoric is to be dismissive and downplay all this vital information is just panic or just overly concerned or just paranoia. That's all it is, Mm -hmm. but it's not true. Jesus says the opposite. Jesus tells us that it's all vitally important and that he's got our back. And when we have to do, we have to realize that and we do have to take a stand because despite what we might think, I think there really are ideological flying monkeys, you know, (laughs) And and an evil witch that wants to come after us and take our little dog too. We might think that we're just skipping down the yellow brick road without a care in the world, but the truth is. You are not in Kansas anymore. You are on Pandora, ladies and gentlemen. Respect that fact every second of every day. Out there beyond that fence, every living thing that crawls, flies, or squats in the mud wants to kill you and eat your eyes for jujubes. You wish to survive, you need to cultivate a strong mental attitude. You've got to obey the rules. Pandora rules. We've got to obey the rules, the spiritual rules of engagement. So rule number one is to educate yourself. You've got to know your war doctrine. So we've talked about things being satanic, right? And under the satanic logo. Uh-huh. <clears throat> but as we've mentioned before, we really have biblical precedents for that. Because uh, in, in John 8, 4, 4, he says that they're sons of the devil and they will fulfill the lust of the flesh. Again, in Revelation 2, 9, Jesus calls those that say they're Jews and are not are the synagogue of Satan. And this is quite telling because this is long before the church of Satan. This is long before any organization, you know, flew this banner under Satanism that we really have this the Bible helps outline and gives us the filter to look at these things and recognize the fact that they actually are satanic. That simply by doing as thou wilt, you align yourself with Satanism. Okay. I think also that scripture warns us in first Timothy four, one, that people will believe the doctrines of demons. It's interesting that he doesn't say that they are going to believe in demons. Hmm. So there might really be a separation in the level of deceit that people were buying into the doctrines and the ways and the practices and the ways that demons think without even recognizing that they're real or where these ideas come from. Yeah. I can see that, especially for the masses. Right. But I would definitely say the people at the top believe in demons. Oh yeah. Yeah. For sure. I'm just talking on, on other levels. There's, no, no, there's I agree. different levels of deceit. I agree. And, and we have to be careful. I think we also have to be aware of 
of where we're growing and who we're going to be surrounded by. In Matthew 13, 36, it says the bad seeds being planted right along us, <clears throat> right along the good seeds. So there'll be wheat and there'll be weeds growing up side by side. So we're, we're not necessarily going to be able to completely separate ourselves, right? Yeah, you, we're, we we're, can't isolate ourselves right, in, this, in this fallen world. No, we have to recognize that we're surrounded by weeds. So we have to be leery of that. We have to be able to stand and speak out against the weeds, but also recognize that we need to be good ground so good things can sprout from us. Oh, that's really good. Really good. And, and in fact, that leads right into rule number two, which is that once you become that good ground, you can't seed any of it, no pun intended, uh, <laughs> to the enemy. You can't give any of it up. Okay. You know, once you once you have achieved occupation of that ground, you don't yield any of it to the enemy, right? Right. You have to rely on what we like to call the biblical counteroffensive strike package, and that's really a three phased assault plan against the enemy, and it's it's already been documented and proven to be effective throughout history. Three core things that you have to do that are critical. You expose what the enemy's doing, you oppose or resist what he's doing, and you destroy or you depose it. Okay. Expose, oppose, and depose. I like it. Right? And we've got scriptural uh, we, we've got scriptural authorization on all three of these. Well, you got Ephesians 5.11 that says, don't have any fellowship with the works of darkness, but actually expose them. Mm -hmm. Talk about them. Don't sit there and be quiet talking about, well, I can't talk about this because this is not for, for Christian conversation. No, you need to point this out. This is why churches need to start talking about these things, especially here in the West. Right. This is why small groups need to be talking about these things. This is why, listening to the show, you got to start talking to other people about it, mm -hmm. right? Then yeah. you have to oppose it. You have to find ways to resist that. James 5, 7 tells us, subject ourselves to the authority of Scripture and then use the authority of Scripture to resist the devil. Right, you don't go along with it. You're not silent. You don't just pray that it'll pass you. It won't really affect you. You have to actively resist, right? You have right. to actively oppose it. And then you have to use 2 Corinthians 10, 5, which actually tells us demolish every argument and pretension that sets itself up against what God has said is true and keeps people from actually knowing him. Three right. things we have to do, which tells us this is an active engagement. Right. Is passivity will not yield victory here. You no. cannot be passive. You cannot just stay in your own bubble, go, go to church once, twice, three times a week, just stay in Christian community, sing Kumbaya and all this other stuff and think that what is happening in the real world is not going to happen to you. You're not just going to be magically protected. Right. You have to get involved. First, you have to realize you are in a battle. And secondly, you have to get busy participating in that. If you're not going to be a victor, you're going to be a victim. Right. That's it. No, I agree. I think that takes us to rule three, where we have to pray like it's all up to God and work like it's all up to us. Because prayer actually makes a difference. It does, but alone, it doesn't. Right. You've got to put the work in on the back end. Right. Jesus did a whole lot of praying. He went inside. He fasted from, from time to time. He's the perfect example. But Jesus did a whole lot of work. Right. He got busy doing things. Yep. He wasn't just sitting there going, oh, Father, please, if you will, if it's if 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 it's in your will, Father God, I don't even know what your will is. But if it's in your will, could you please, Lord, we're just waiting <laughs> on you here. No, he got busy doing stuff. Right. And you have to you have to be willing to do that. You right. have to be willing to get into the fight, get your hands dirty, get your boots on the ground and get get some get some battle scars and mm -hmm. dealing with this. Because, listen, people are in jeopardy. 
Nobody really cares about this stuff till it touches their front door. We could talk about child trafficking, if we will. Mm -hmm. And it's like, oh, that's an unfortunate thing. You know, I hope that never happens. You care way more when it's your child that just went outside to go throw the trash away and you're running, frankly, trying to figure out where are they at. Right. Can't find them. Mm -hmm. And now they're gone and you're spending years, day after day after day with that type of psychological trauma, trying to get reconnected to your kid. You don't even know where to find them. Right. And they're being trafficked either in your country, interstate, maybe, or they're being trafficked outside of your country. Then all of a sudden this becomes an issue. Don't wait for it to get to that. Right. Start praying and working now. Absolutely. I think some of the things that we can pray for, pray that God makes us sensitive to the reality of the evil that's in the world and not allow us to be desensitized by these psyops. I think that's spot on. I think that we should pray that God protects us from the works of the enemy because the enemy is actively working against us. Right. And that God would give us a way, show us how we can actually push back, you know, push back against the agendas that are coming against us. Spot on. Some of the work that we can do, one is stop thinking that evil has a name tag. It doesn't, it's going to not, it will not knock on your door, door saying, hey, I'm evil, look at me. You know, you have this thing that you constantly say, um, <laughs> that you say you believe a Satanist looks like Jennifer Aniston. Uh-huh. And yeah. I, I think it's great because <laughs> it helps to change that, that mindset of the Satanist is just the person that's walking around with tattoos, skulls on their, on their, 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 uh, around their neck or on their person. Mm -hmm. You know, someone who says in dark robes or has a pentagram somewhere on them or standing in a magic circle. But the, to realize that first to be a Satanist is just to be a person that wants to do things your own way. Right. And then to be a more devout Satanist is one who actually worships the Prince of Darkness directly, not indirectly. Mm -hmm. But that any of those two people might just look like you and me. Yeah. You can't just look at a person and be like, oh, you're not a Satanist. Right. You could be saluting a military officer like Michael Aquino, who could be one of the most vilest human beings on the planet. Yeah. It doesn't look like it from his from his pictures. Mm -mm. You know, you can see somebody that seems like just everybody's granddad, you know, a very jovial old, old man, like, like, like senior Bush. Yeah. It's kind of hard to picture him in a coffin masturbating, telling people his darkest secrets. <laughs> yeah. It's a little bit harder for, for baby Bush, but I imagine him stuttering. So I figured that took longer to get through <laughs> too soon. Too soon. Yeah. You know, but these are not people that look like Satanists. Right. Because we've been conditioned to, to take things first. You know, perception oftentimes influences conception. In other words, our concept is oftentimes influenced by the precepts we take first. Right. And those precepts are oftentimes manipulated by the satanic uh, elite in this country that are constantly trying to brainwash us and put us under occult mind control. Right. And we've got we to gotta understand that, and we have to make sure that we don't fall victim to that caricature satan is not a red pitchfork bullheaded character that we see in cartoons and in movies right he does not look like hellboy nope it's not what he looks like in no. fact he probably looks like gabriel if you imagine whatever the archangel gabriel looks like mm -hmm. satan probably looks just like that right like if he didn't say yo i'm i'm you know i'm i'm satan <laughs> you probably would think he's a regular angel with some very provocative ideas Right. He doesn't come in this idea of, I am the personification of evil. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Right, because nobody would believe it if he did that. No, it'd be too stupid, too easy. The United States doesn't show up and be like, 
Hi, how you doing? We got a 500 pound bomb to drop on you. Yes, we're, we're just going to send in some B-52s. No, we send in stealth fighters first. Right, right. You know, and you have to get used to rethinking and reconditioning your mind so that you can spot this. And that takes discernment. It also takes educating yourself, which is why we talked about that in rule number one. Right. You got to break that paradigm for sure. Absolutely. I think another thing that you could do is realize that this stuff is still going on. And there are some organizations that are actively working against sex trafficking and and stuff. I don't think it's a bad idea to, to, you know, maybe spread their word, maybe contribute to them, maybe help work for them. There are actual things that we can do, organizations that we can align ourselves with that, that actively work against this kind of stuff. Agreed. If possible, maybe we should include some of that in the uh, show notes. Okay. I'll see if I can find some. Okay. Yeah. We can't stay silent about these issues. They're way too important. Mm-hmm. So one way that you cannot stay silent is share the show. Let other people know. You know, it's, we've got the information. You can listen to us. I think we're really funny. You're having a good time, but we also have the resources that we provide so you can do the work yourself. Absolutely. You know, if you're on the desktop, go to truthfullyarmed.com, uh, drop down menu, podcast, uh, show notes, and then just look for the air date of the show. If you're on mobile, in the description, there's a link to the show notes page and also a lot of information that we used to get here. So we try to make it easy. We try to help you because we want to arm people to engage these things, to fight back, to push back, to make a difference. We're not just here for entertainment. We really want to be an asset. I'm going to tell you one of the last things you can do, and this is so important. You got to remind yourself of what scripture tells us, which is that we're not alone. We're not an outpost. We're not fighting the enemy. It's not us against them, right? We have a God that has promised to never leave us. And he is the almighty. He is all sovereign. He is the most powerful being, period. And he's backed us and said, I'm not going to leave you in this fight. You also have a community of believers. If you're a Christian, you have a community of believers that are supporting you. Right. If you are not, come and join us. Yep. We got we got open arms. We 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 got enough space for you. Come on in. It, it's it's a little warm in here, but you'll be all right. It's better than the other places. Way warm. Right, right. You know, and when you do, you'll have backing. You'll have power that exceeds what you've what you thought you had, beyond what you you can imagine. You know, there are believers all over this country that and, and actually all over the world that are fighting alongside of us. Yes. And we have a God that intervenes on our behalf. Do not believe the lies, the propaganda, the rhetoric. You're not on your own, even if you feel like it. Don't fall victim to your feelings. They will lie to you in this hostile environment. You're not alone. Right. You're absolutely dead on with that. Because one day we're not going to have to worry about Satan. He's going to be locked up. One day we're not going to have to worry about this occult, this new occult order that we find ourselves neck deep in. Mm -hmm. One day we're not going to have to worry about how to, how to successfully navigate the satanic control matrix that saturated our culture. One day we'll be in the kingdom culture. One day that we'll bask in the presence of the almighty God. But until then, we are deployed on this dystopian rock where we fight deceptive agendas and occult powers within the satanic elite as we march forward, crushing snakeheads. <laughs>